start. And that should be any second now. And welcome, everybody, to the Meister Movie Podcast. Tonight's musical guest, legendary pro wrestler Nikolai Volkov. Oh my God. <laughs> I can't believe I found that. Whew, man. That was a week of searching. For your soundboard, you should get like a, a countdown of like 10, 9, 8, or whatever, all the way to 1. No, it won't line up. Really? Nope. You don't have like one long play that does that? No, it's just that I don't know when the recording starts from when I hit the button. Uh, like it'll say uh, start uh, recording. Got so, like, there's, I don't know when it's really recording. So, I mean, even um, it, even if we had to wait like ten seconds, it'd be even funny. Recording you now, it when you edit. Oh my god! Three days later. All right, let's start. Huh. Get it. Oh, I yeah, I've been doing it for three again. days. I hope you would have played the crab dance again after three days later. <laughs> so it implied we were partying for three days. What news didn't happen this week? Um, honestly, not really anything, truthfully, other than the Oscars are happening right now. Literally. Oh my right god, now. the Oscars are happening right now. Literally right now. Yeah, literally right now. I have looked them up. Uh, I haven't. I re- I'm no. I, I, didn't I mean, I mean, better. I guess, I guess by the time we're done recording, Shoot, I guess we're not doing an Oscar special, everyone. Sorry. I was gonna say, I, I guess by the by the end of it, we we can talk about who won and all briefly, if you want. No, I think no. we, we, we are not. We'll do it next week. Okay. Every we can talk about next that week. the Oscars happen, I lose interest more and more. It's true. I don't. I know think why. it's. A, I, I think it's a rough year to judge that by because it was only a couple years ago that they had made a dramatic shift in allowing more um, more people allowed to vote. And the votes were starting to change. But this year really is affected by the pandemic. A lot of movies that wouldn't have gotten a chance to get recognized did get recognized. And a lot of movies that uh, were always going to get recognized got recognized. The two biggest front runners in the race Mank and No Man Land were talked about months before the awards happened and when the pandemic was kind of whatever, and they still made the run. But it's, it looks like it's going to be No Man Land. Minari is the closest run of the race, um, but it'll probably be No Man Land. And why not? Chloe Zhao made a great movie, and there's not really anything to fight about it. It's just kind of an aimless, picturesque movie about America today that's kind of sad, and that's probably the one that should win over Mank. Um, but it's just because it wasn't a very interesting year. Not a lot of interesting films were allowed to come out or get the right market. And you would think better, short, uh, better, more interesting films would come out uh, in the as a frontrunner races. But there, it's actually been a more interesting argument about films that didn't get nominated, like um, First Cow. People loved First Cow. Haven't seen it, seen a trailer, want to see it. 
And it just seems like a simple story about two guys who come together because a cow can produce really good milk or whatever. And <laughs> it, it's, it looks amazing. It looks so good. And yeah. it's just a simple little movie. And I just think it's interesting that those are the ones that are also getting pointed out more. But stuff like Promising Young Woman would never get a chance, I would think, to get inside this race if it wasn't for the fact that there weren't a lot of movies out. Um so it is interesting. I think when it's all said and done by the time we're still recording, it'll be over. We could probably take a look at them and see what they were. But like a lot of this is going to be predictable. And this the next couple of years will be interesting. But it stalled what could have been an interesting run. Moonlight changed things. It really did. Green Book was a, a massive reaction to that. And there's no telling what we would have gotten if, if proper movies had really gotten to come out if some movies weren't put on the shelf if other movies got the kind of marketing that we wish they had but to see something like love and monsters get a special effects nomination absolutely it's awesome yeah Yeah. so uh i guess so actually uh, two things happened well we're getting a captain america 4 everyone oh yeah what yeah so they they officially announced it after uh after falcon and winter soldier which We'll talk about that later. Whoa. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, Alex, you got your wish. Hold on. It it is it is getting it's being led by Anthony Mackie and um Sebastian oh Stan, God. right? That's oh what they God. said. All I know is it's Anthony Mac Anthony Mackie is in it. Oh I don't know God. about Bucky. No, no confirmation on what Sebastian Stan's gonna be and whether it's oh gonna God. be that or Secret Invasion or Armor Wars. But um it is also the same show. The showrunner of this Falcon Winter Soldier will be writing and producing the movie. Yep. Okay. So, so is this movie the sequel to the series? Yes, it's going to be oh. the. It's going to be a direct sequel to whatever goes on with this series. Um, What's involving Sam. Yeah. There. There is a yes! couple. There is a couple things, Chris. Uh, that I do want to mention just because we'll, we'll pivot into like talking about Captain America Four and Falcon and Soldier when we talk about that. So, so when you're done, Zach, yeah, I have breaking news. Okay. So, uh, I'm done. If you want to share the breaking news and, and <laughs> West side story trailer, West side story trailer, West side story trailer dropped an hour ago. Okay. We're probably going to get more than one trailer for the Oscars. You know, yeah. it's the Super Bowl. So, kind so of. briefly before we get to that, let's talk about that Army of the Dead trailer. <laughs> yeah, there's that too. That trailer looks sweet. I'm so excited. Zombie Tiger. <laughs> um, I think it looks really fun, and I I like I like uh, certain aspects of the, of Snyder's Dawn of the Dead. I think he makes great action. And to see him do a little bit more live action, action is great. Having human beings produce action is pretty interesting again. Also, I'm a huge Tig Notaro fan. Uh, she has one of the most interesting stories uh, in comedian history, period. She has a great documentary that uh, shows it. So uh, I love Tig Notaro and the fact that she's kicking ass in a zombie movie, considering her story is awesome. So fan of Dave Bautista as well. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited. It looks cool. And yeah. Uh so Alex and I talked briefly about this, but but we want to talk about this with you, Chris. By the way, Shang- wait, that was a very that this looks Shang- like a very Spielberg movie. I'm just gonna say that real quick. Shang Chi Shang Chi got a trailer. Yeah, that, looked- that also got a trailer. A lot happened. Okay, I'm not dumb. Yes. I no. 
What? <laughs> Whoa, where did you get there? What just happened? What just happened? What no, happened? Like, no, what uh, happened? If, I, if, you, if, if I made a noise, <laughs> what just happened? Guys, you need to tell me what's going on if anything is happening right now. Okay, well, what was just happening is you were implying that we meant something about you not knowing what was going on this week. What I'm just saying, news happened. Trailers happened. I completely forget. There's things that I forgot too, but guys, it makes sense. It's the week of the Oscars. Yeah. So, like, a lot of things happen. Just, it's it's a big movie week. This was always supposed to be a big movie week. So, I think we're getting, like, a, a 25% of what it was supposed to be. If Imagine if this was a normal movie. We wouldn't even have enough time for an episode about a movie. We would be talking about the Oscars and news and all that stuff. Because that's what we've done before. But, like, yeah, a lot of stuff did happen. But not as much as it would have if it was a normal year. Yeah. So yeah, the the Shang Chi trailer came out. Thoughts? Chris? Marvel goes kung fu. I have not uh, seen I, it. Yeah, this is the thing I'm the most excited for movie wise. It looks so cool. I'm I'm so excited. It it looks amazing. I know Alex, you and I talked about this I think a couple days ago in much more detail, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, was this a podcast where we talk about these things? Um, I, I, <laughs> I, I know. Thanks, I, I just don't remember everything we talked about. So if you could, uh, I, I personally think that it, it, it isn't hiding the fact that this is sort of like an Asian Black Panther. They've got an Asian rapper doing the entire soundtrack, which is, does sound amazing. The, the, there's a lot of, um, it does or uh, doesn't. It does. It, it has oh. a, a, it looks like it has a killer soundtrack by someone I've never heard of, but it, it's a it's very specific. Asian influenced movie from every aspect from who's writing it, directing it, the cast, everything. And there, along with that, it just looks cool. And I like a lot, I like Kung Fu a lot. So it's interesting to see the fights being done in wide angles and um, not a lot of like close ups and short edits unless you know what you're doing. And I'm going to talk about those aspects later tonight. Uh, uh, looking at this trailer, it was awesome to see him kick some ass with the camera just standing there and watching him kick some ass. And then you see that scene with Aquafine in the bus, and it's like, oh, this also has some genuinely good-looking action in it. Um, yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, I'm... I Honestly, like, I I was thinking the whole thing that probably my favorite Marvel movie that I'm going to see this year is probably going to be Eternals, but I think it's now it's Shang-Chi, because the how they decided to do the whole concept of the Ten Rings himself and the Mandarin look cool, the movie looks cool, I, I just everything about this has just impressed me from from the fact that we didn't know much about anything, but now we know a lot more about it and it just looks cool. And yeah. and it, it's going to open the doors for a lot of things. Maybe we'll get a Danny Rand cameo in an Iron Fist and start tying together that. Please, that God, no. Well, we already well, there's already a shot in it where they they where Shang-Chi jumps off a car that has, like, spray paint on it saying Iron Fist. So, like, it's already kind of there. We might... Stop trying to make it a thing, man. You tried once, and it was a failure. I just thought... You made it the centerpiece of the big Netflix team-up movie. I thought it 
was really fun in Defenders and Luke Cage. I'm going to be honest. Like, I think he's better as, like, a side character, not really as a main character. When, when I think of the Netflix shows I, and their failure, I think overall of the person who oversaw that entire project, which came to a head within humans. But uh, I, there are aspects of those shows that I really do enjoy. The guy who plays Iron Fist was not necessarily somebody I enjoyed as a lead. Yeah, I did enjoy him as a side aspect. And I, I, I would say this. If he's the first Netflix person to show up in anything else above Daredevil or Jessica Jones or Luke Cage, I'm going to shit my pants. Like, this, <laughs> what? The balls. The balls. The balls. That guy has to be, like, the nicest guy in Hollywood. He must have, like, saved some studio exec's kid for him to be, like, showing up in Shang-Chi. Unless he's only there to, you know, beg for change. I don't understand. I mean, oh. I mean, Charlie Cox might be in Spider-Man 3. We don't know. Oh, my God. Oh, man. I want him in the Spider-Man 3. And I, and, I, and, I, and I want the idea of Vincent D'Onofrio to be on screen together with Tom Holland. That would be kind of awesome. But, but... I, I think you you get you get the good with the bad and, and the characters should show up where they make sense and I think Iron Fist makes sense in Shang Chi. Let's just go with that. <laughs> I want Daredevil. It doesn't matter whether something makes sense or not. It's whether you have the smarts to not do the easy thing that makes sense and do the challenging thing that may have a better effect. I.e., Last Jedi: Rise of Skywalker. Yes. <laughs> so we are gonna get Daredevil in this movie. I I don't know, dude. Oh, but there's a distinct chance we'll get Iron Fist, though. <laughs> but Charlie Cox, man. <laughs> I don't think we're getting Iron. I don't think we're getting Iron Fist the person. I just think we're like it's a just Iron Fist was a martial arts show. Regardless of anything, it and Daredevil were basically martial arts show. But because no one liked Iron Fist, they just shifted the hand over to Daredevil, and that became way more of a hand combat show, which it always was. He was now—he was supposed to be the son of a boxer and a bruiser, and he is a brawler in a lot of ways. But the show mostly became the kung fu show that <laughs> Iron Fist was supposed to be, and it—the it, it, IP is technically uh, kung fu, so I get it. He does make sense, but I, I'll just take a name out of car. That's all I gotta do. Yeah. People know who Iron Fist is. Cool, sweet. We, we, I need to see. We don't need to see more Finn Jones. <laughs> I just think this is a really if it's such an Asians focused uh, movie. Everything is focused on uh, uh, pushing whatever culture this fake country is supposed to be, and their superpowers are supposed to be. And I don't, I don't think they want to just put him in there unless they have an earnest reason to do it. And I, if, if they have an earnest one, fine, cool. But that seems like it's respected out of both of those characters being in comics for a while. People like Iron Fist, the character. And I don't think Marvel, just because it wasn't a good show, is then going to start shitting on it. They'd yeah. shit on another movie made by another studio. But they wouldn't shit on their own thing. They would try to make it better. I think that potentially putting them in Shang-Chi would be that attempt, though. I don't think they're going to do it. No, I don't think they're going to do it either. But I think if they were, that's how they would do it though yeah they put his name on a car they've already implied that if there was a world for him to <laughs> but he's not they're not doing it i would uh, i i would be hard pressed to believe that i'm not going to shit my pants i only have one pair but uh, i would <laughs> <laughs> i only have one pair he only has 
one fig leaf, man. <laughs> well, fig leaves put into a pair of pants. That's why there's only one of them. I'm not making another one. It's spring. I got to wait until there's more trees and more leaves. Just and buy again, a diaper. Just have leaves. They already cover my naked body. Peter, if he only has one pair, he doesn't have money to buy a diaper. I didn't have money to have a house. I live in a tree. Outside your house. You could easily steal a diaper. I'm just saying. There are babies everywhere. Of course I could easily steal a diaper. I've already gone through my kleptomaniac of diaper stage. They've got me on milk cartons as the diaper stealing dude. What? Exactly. This neighborhood knows my ways, man. I gotta gotta improvise. I gotta space my diaper stealing ways. They need to be lulled into a sense of security for me to just start stealing diapers from babies' carriages. I can't wait for the day where a fan of the show, whoever that may be, actually takes what you're saying seriously. Puts the entire lore together and there's like a maestro media. (laughs) Absolutely. Alex lives in a tree. He steals diapers for babies. (laughs) No, I mean like somebody who actually believes that. Oh God, no. Uh, If someone actually believed that, I would both want to meet that person and never meet that person. Like, that, that, that to me is a Hannibal Lecter thing. I'd wait until they committed a crime and then go visit them in jail and be like, hello, Alex, how's the tree? And I'd be like, it's good, man. You like the show? I'm a big fan. You guys interrupt each other a lot. It builds oh, tension. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, sweet dude. And he's like, I'm a big fan of your waiting period for the holiday special. And I'd be like, oh, okay. You sound like gold dust. Oh, God. Well, I can't do the complete voice that I want to do because Peter's going to do that <laughs> when we talk about the movie, baby. Yeah. Movie, baby. Let's start doing Hannibal Lecter. So, so do, do, we have any, do we have anything else we want to talk about? Oh, my God. Before we move uh, on. Do you guys actually want to talk about... Um, the, do you, do you guys just want to move on to Falcon Winter Soldier? Because yeah, just move on to Falcon Winter Soldier. I'm okay with doing that. So, so, so has everyone? All right, has everyone this? seen this? Yes, I want to confirm this. Yes, Peter, have you watched Peter? This? Yeah, man, Jesus Christ, Chris. Okay, I. Who do you think I am? Chris, I'm just making sure. You're I think Chris. Chris. Yeah, you're Chris Rose. You host. I have this an identity podcast. crisis. All right. All right. All right. I have enough on my mind, Alex? or not on my mind. That's the problem. I have. I have only one thing to say to you. Uh, what's that? I told you so. 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 <laughs> That's awesome. That's great. What did you tell me? Here's <laughs> Carter. Spoiler alert. Is the power broker? <laughs> oh my god! Did he tell you me that, guys? Do we have that on record that he told me that? Alex, we're gonna have to take that L. Yeah, we, you, you and I were convinced that she wasn't. Like she had nothing well, to gain. I, 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 I am so I, sad that you didn't. One at a time. Okay. I do. This is coming. It's okay. Zach, go ahead. I, Chris, I was so sad that you didn't time the explosion after I said she was the power broker. <laughs> Here's the thing. What I what I also said last week was it's she is the most logical choice to be the power broker. The only out is Julia Louis Dreyfus showing up, but people were pretty sure they knew who she was outside of that, and it seemed likely that it was her. But it stands to reason the still the most important thing, which is that doesn't really mean that it makes much sense. 
It's the thing that it makes the least amount of sense is her being the power broker. And it kind of highlights how like the biggest problem with this show is that there's a lot of things that I love about it. And there's a lot of stories that I like, but all of them would have been better if they were fleshed out more, either with more episodes or if Bucky had a show called Winter Soldier and Falcon had a movie called Captain America. And then all of the ideas would be fleshed out a bit more, but like, no one really gets a lot of time to really be a full idea. Like, why does Zemo have a mask? Like, what's the point of it? There's just a lot of things that they make dramatic aspects out of that we don't really get a lot of satisfying conclusions to. But as a whole, I really did enjoy it. I really did like the Captain America bit. I liked how um, uh, Bucky, I'm sorry, not Bucky, but Falcon fought. I liked how. Um, I just like how things ended conclusively, but I don't like how the episode began. It just sort of began with Carly having kidnapped people and they're just going there. It feels like you've walked into the third act of a movie. I feel like we missed some things, which I have heard theories that there was an initial idea that the the Flag Smashers were going to release a pandemic, the, a disease that actually killed Amadanya. And it explains why things got changed and why there were a bunch of reshoots, which they have admitted there were reshoots for this thing and that why it came out when it did. And it kind of explains why a lot of things are a little bit messy, but also I think there's other things without that aspect that probably would have been more fleshed out if there was more time. I Carly like Morgan though was going to release a pandemic. I know, right? But I did like it. I, I, I don't want to compare it to WandaVision necessarily. Um, in, in a lot of ways, but the one thing I do want to say is both of these shows seem like experiments with with interesting side characters and ca- and, and uh, ca- uh, taking advantage of aspects of these actors that they have that have not been utilized yet. What Anthony Mackie can do, when Steve, what Sebastian Stan can do, what uh, Elizabeth Olsen can do, uh, all of them are getting more time to stretch their legs. And I remember somebody on Twitter being like, I don't want to watch the Marvel movie about sad, the Marvel show about sad boys. And I was like, uh, I mean, it's more than that. It's there's other aspects here that could be fleshed out better. And the fact that they're taking chances are good. There's other people that are pissed off that like the best episode is episode five and then everything else is sort of met. What's the point? It's an awful mess. And I'm like, it's not it's not an awful mess. It's an opportunity. It's an experiment. It, it takes advantage of certain things and that now that we know what those successes lie, they can build off of those and make better IPs out of them. And that's the whole point of a show. That's the whole point of like the comics being a few runs before a big title happens for a, a character. So overall, I really did enjoy it. I also really appreciated how at the end they, they changed the tagline from the Falcon and Winter Soldier to Captain America and the Winter Soldier. It's cool. They didn't wait to put Superman on the poster. No. Well, again, a part of the, the ilk that thinks that he that uh, Anthony Mackie should have had his own movie in the first place. But yeah. since we didn't get that, I did like what they did give us. And um, I, although I thought the show was messy, his stuff was my favorite. We're also. You know I, I think that was intentional. We're also you know, going to be getting Isaiah one at a time. I was right about Isaiah Washington. Yep. Bradley. Bradley. Isaiah sorry. Bradley. Isaiah Washington. Bradley. That's something else. <laughs> it's a mm. Yeah. 
I'm sure it is something else. It's a porno. True. Don't sound Art. so defeated, man. It's you have bad. one big leaf. It's already Only one. I don't use it a lot. Oh, true. All right. Um, anyway, I really did like that they they finally kind of called uh, John Walker by his character's actual name finally, which is kind of cool. Uh, is that he he is now U.S. agent, which is cool. And man, does that dude deserve a freaking medal like like the actor Wyatt Russell because he's taken so much shit <laughs> from all this at the end of it all. Like people have been shitting on him like crazy because of the character and he's taken it like like a champ. Indeed. Hold yeah. on, I got to move here. OK. All right. Here we go. Um, yeah, okay, fine. Sharon Card is a power broker. Okay. Um, I don't what does she want with the damn serum? Can, can anyone actually explain why she is? Is this something that's going to be revealed in the, in the next movie? See, now... I don't get here's it. Here's the thing. Like, for me... Sorry, Peter. Um, like, for me, like, her... That end scene with her kind of just put a put a damper on that ending for me like it ended with isaiah bradley getting his statue in his place in that museum mm -hmm. um and that was like the oh man like that made the whole episode for me as like everything was worth it just right there um but um like but then <laughs> i guess i understand why share though sharon carter is a total douche for that like she's oh my gosh like man that i don't know why but that really that that scene really made me mad it kind of almost ruined the ending for me i was like oh well she just took advantage just to make more money off the black market well, is that is that i'm genuinely asking like how i don't i don't get it can someone explain so, oh, my so there's not really an explanation as to why she's the power broker i don't even know why it was a mystery in the first place so, so no 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 uh, hold on let me okay zach i'm sorry hold on it's okay um like <laughs> i don't even know why it was a mystery in the first place everybody everybody pretty much knew from the start that it was uh sharon carter except for the ones who knew better <laughs> um but um my dad said okay hear me out on this i he gets his like his theories from like Facebook, right? Okay. <laughs> he posed the idea. Scroll. Minions. Uh okay, so th this is what I would say to all of this. Um no no minions? I no to, minions. to Peter sorry, to Peter. Peter's to Peter's answer to answer his question. The answer is she got fucked. She's she's the she's the niece of, of the classic famed Agent Carter. She defended rightly against the Accords in her opinion, and she, so many people did as well. And they got they got pardons, and she didn't, and she got fucked despite her name. And then five years went by, uh, and she created again. Five years have occurred, and shit has gone down that has turned her into this person, and I, that's the reasoning. Do I think that it holds water? No, because we don't really have that strong of an emotional connection to this character 
in the first place, despite the fact that we like the actress and she has the last name Carter. The first thing we see her do in any movie is fucking lie straight up to Captain America's face. So what do we know about this character in the first place? That would be my question to that. And the other thing is, Don Cheadle's going to have a show called Armor Wars about people stealing Iron Man tech. And the last thing she talks about is how she's going to the government to steal tech. So I think that's where she's going. Oh, um, okay. okay. Right. That makes sense. So yeah. I was like, yeah, that like jerk nature must have always been there. You know, so, that must have always been there. Yeah. <clears throat> my question is, my question is, if you are that actress who has been acting for years since she was young. She was on Everwood with uh, Chris Pratt and a lot of other people. And then she had a show called Revenge forever. And she was a badass bitch on that show for like seven to eight seasons. And you show up and you're only in a couple things <laughs> as side characters. And uh... I, I think what Marvel has a strong history of is going to their creative talent and going, Yes, we kind of fucked up. How can we fix things for you? And they're like, what do you want to do? What do you want to play off of? And maybe she was like, I'll be a villain. Can I be a villain? Can Carter just be a straight up bitch? And they were probably like, yeah, why not? And she was, she, like, was cool. she was mind controlled in the comics uh, at, and shot at, Steve Rogers. As for the scroll thing, as for, well, the two more things. As for the serum, she's treating the serum the same way she's treating any other tech either. She's just selling shit on the black market for money. Now, she may have the goal of the Flag Smashers, which is to actually change things, but it seems to me like she just hates the government and just wants to give tech to people who want to do whatever, and she doesn't care. Like, she's, in five years, she's turned into that person who sold her soul and just doesn't care. And I believe that in terms of being a possibility, but I don't think I believe it in terms of this character. I don't think they've sold me on this particular person doing that. Is it enough for it to be a, a logical end result? Sure, but I, I don't think so. As for her being a scroll, people brought up the point that if she can do the face-shifting thing that um, Black Widow does in Winter Soldier, then why would she, if she can be a reptilian? Except part of the face thing is part of a mission that she was on. She wouldn't be a, like a face-shifting scroll in the middle of that mission with other human beings. But yeah. uh, she she could be, because Secret Invasion is coming. Is it more likely that they just have an underdeveloped character who in the first five years is supposed to represent how the in those five years things have gotten really muddied now? The water's real muddy. People are really compromising, and new heroes are needed. All right. Uh, that's, so, that's the only explanation I needed. Just a, a right. little bit of something. Just something. It shouldn't take somebody telling you that for it to work. It, took, it right. needs more time. That is true. Never mind, I hate it again. <laughs> um, I still don't understand. Uh, what did I say before? What was the exact thing? I mean, I, you shouldn't have to do that kind of work in a show like this. Sure, in WandaVision, where you're supposed to hunt and pick every single frame, but on a show like this, it's supposed to hold your hand on some of those concepts. And the problem is there's a lot of, there's just too much. There's too many cooks in the kitchen here. Too much going on. I would honestly have taken Zemo out. I love Zemo, but like he would have he would have given so much room for this six episode show for other people to matter. We did have a lot happening in yeah. this series when you think about it. It it should have gotten maybe two more episodes. I think solid solid eight eps. 
I certainly think in the terms of when it comes to both Bucky and um, Falcon, because like all Winter Soldier does is finish the names on his book and like get the respect of people because he does one heroic thing. Whereas like Falcon becomes (laughs) Captain America, dude. (laughs) He becomes straight up. Way more of an interesting story. I, I just think he deserved a movie. And, like, as again, as much as I love seeing I'm those people so together, happy. just put Bucky in the movie. They put the Hulk in Ragnarok. Why not yep. just put fucking Winter Soldier they, in Captain America? They might. They might. They might. You never know, they man. They show. They made a show. I think he's going to be in the movie, yes, but they made a show instead of a movie to test audiences so that they could ask the question, uh, are you guys cool with us having a black Captain America while the show at the same time is like guilting people into having a black Captain America? <laughs> think oh that's God, what they did? On. Is that how you Wait, see it? Oh, come on. Is that how you yeah, actually I, I, see it's it? It's a great episode, but at the same time, it is. I don't think it's I don't think it's racist. And I'm not one of those people who are sitting here going that the mo- the ending he's sitting there going. Uh, there are people who are looking at what. Uh, Captain America saying, talking truth to power, and basically saying, look, there's a right way to protest, and there's a wrong way to protest. And I do think you can read that into that shit, but I didn't read it in the moment. Yeah. Do I Do I think that he deserved his own movie? Because the sheer fact that his story has way more of a compelling leading story than Bucky just kind of like getting his hands dirty with Zemo, giving him over to the Wakanda. Hey, hey guys, I, I don't want to interrupt, but but I have some pretty big news I want to share with you guys. Oh, uh, did, if it, okay. If it's about the Oscars, if it's about the Oscars, if it's about the Oscars, we did agree okay. that we were going to talk about this next week. It, I, no, I get it, yeah. but this is, this is pretty significant, even though we're going to wait till next week. Oh my God. Chloe Zhao just won Best Director. As expected. God, dude. This, is, this is a big deal because she is directing Eternals. That is her next movie. And also, she's the first woman of color to ever win a Best Director, and that's a big deal. Anyways, continue with what you were saying. Um, what were we saying? What, no, what were we talking about? Uh, yeah, I, 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 um, I, I think that... I, uh, God, I think... Um, <laughs> Oh, it was the the, the racist stuff, the protesting. I think Sam's story is more interesting, and I think it could have been a movie, whereas Bucky's stuff, if you took Zemo out, could have been a good side story. Like, it would have made more sense, I think, as a film than it did a show. And as a show, it was still fine. I liked watching it, and I, and I don't mind watching it again but because I like them hanging out. But, like, it wasn't really Falcon and the Winter Soldier. It was also a lot of other things. Yeah, and none of are important. Yeah, none of those parts felt entirely together. And that's fine. I didn't think it was the worst thing ever, but I also thought, eh, it was kind of messy. It's cool. I would have I would have liked a uh, actual Captain America movie. And now that you're like, oh, you guys liked it. Captain America movie, then I, I I'm kind of like, okay, well, weird. And just, just give him a fucking movie. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm still happy that that we got the series. I'm not saying that you you don't like the series. I'm just saying that uh, no, you fucking hate it. And an Anthony Mackie together. Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm happy we got to see their their relationship grow and blossom into a friendship, even though they haven't admitted it yet, which was adorable. Yeah. There's, okay. You know, so I know that. Buddies. 
I know that I'm um, probably uh, walking into a minefield here that I'm going to regret. Don't, don't back up, dude. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really, it's really big. Um, stop. Yeah, no, just, just stop. Um, just don't. Just back up and say. It's what okay. Hey, I have Rambo and his big knife here. We're, no, 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 uh, just back up and say what you're going to say, man. Carly Morgenthau, top five MCU villain. Top five. Did you back up? Yes. That's a, oh, okay. that's a, that's a hot take there, Chris. That's all Top I'm five. Gonna... That's a hot take. Why, uh, I, I think there's a lot that I like about her, but I do... I don't... I don't know if I truly believe her turn of just going, we're going to kill hostages. For I, I just didn't believe that necessarily. Because I, I feel like her, that's all her trajectory is. People keep warning her that she's going too far, and she yeah. keeps explaining what her point is. But, like, she's lost, and she's like, I just want to kill hostages. And it's like, okay, why? Like, that, we have to stop you from killing hostages now. I guess the hostages are the, the people that Sam does talk differently to. So I guess you can't, like, maybe I do need more time with it, but. Also, she's a teenager. Know. Yeah. <laughs> Like, come on. Like, I know that, like, so that turn at the end when, when she got shot and, like, she says, oh, I'm sorry, only faced with the imminent, the imminent um, threat of mortality does she now regret her decision. She was going to shoot Sam, 100%. She was going to do it. Um, like, hold on. Um, so, like, she was 100% going to do it until... Sharon Carter pieced her out, and then yeah, she's like, she oh, I'm sorry. Well, I was like, she's a, she's like a freaking souped-up super teenager. Okay. A, oh. she doesn't, like, from the start, you can insinuate, okay, she's just acting on her emotions. Like, she's, old is she? Like, she, they keep saying she's a teenager. I don't know exactly how old she is. Fucking crazy, dude. What? But all I'm saying is, like, okay, Zach's Googling it. I can hear the keyboard typing. So we're going to get it in, like, less than five seconds. I actually don't know, and I'm actually curious. So so keep keep talking while I figure this one out. All right. So she's a, te like, she's a teenager. Like, of course, she did, like, she's acting on her, she's acting on her emotions. Um, so, like, I can, so that's how I see that. Like. Okay. I, I got, what is I got the age when you're ready. <laughs> no, go ahead. So she, she is 19 years old. Okay. So, so okay. she, she, she character is nineteen. Yes. The, okay. the act, I believe the actress, which I'm going to look up the actress's actual name. She's probably like thirty three. Uh, I yeah. wouldn't bet. I would. I would say she's probably twenty three, twenty four. But I hope 26. she's not listening. No, it's uh, it's the stereotype that so, like middle aged so, people have to play. So freaking she teenagers. is twenty two. And hey, actually, wow. okay, that's not far off. Wow. And she's also, this isn't even her first Disney role. She was in Solo, I guess. Yeah, she was in Solo. Oh my uh, God. Nest. So, um, <laughs> so she's definitely not a kid. 19 is, is an adult in most countries. Well, then, okay. All right. All right. Hold on. This is how the show framed her, okay? Yeah, no, I, I didn't know at the time how old You're... she was. They just kept saying she was a teenager. No, Chris, you are correct. You are correct. That's how the show framed her, even though. She's 19 years old. She's definitely an adult, and she definitely has. Well, 
19 is still like you're it's that threshold yeah like teenager you're still you still have teen in your name well yes right Mm -hmm. it's like when you move out of your parents house without a plan and then you're kind of just like hopping from place to place you know she she's an adult by all legal standards (laughs) she would be tried as an adult Uh, yes that's the problem (laughs) She would be tried as an adult. She would be tried as an adult. I guess you're not wrong there. Not wrong. <laughs> All right. But anyway. I, I like... guess, I, well, I guess what my point is before is that's why people are kind of against what Sam says at the end. That it makes an argument of being like, hey, next time, you know, we, we shoot a black guy on the street. Don't go out and riot. Don't go out and show your anger and express it in whatever pure way you want to. No, no, no. There's a right way and there's a wrong way to protest. Yeah, she, Carly is a refugee and she has all of these things that she stands for, but she didn't give a shit that she killed John's best friend. She did not, she did not blink an she eye. She did do that. That was rather cold. And she did not care that she would kill hostages to the point that her friends were like, we lost and you're just still going to kill them? And she's like, yeah. And they even they had a problem with it. She did not have a problem with just killing wantonly. And that's that's corruptible. That is a bad idea. But also that's that is what people are saying. They're like, well, if someone's going to go burn down a store and steal stuff and loot things like are they really fighting for what they believe in? Or are they just wantonly committing acts of violence? There's a right way and a wrong way to protest. And it's like, mm, I don't know if it's necessarily saying that. But it is kind of saying that, and I, I do think know. that. Oh God, is this really where this episode's going? I think. Well, I think that's why she is an interesting character, and I don't think she's muddied. I just think I agree. She does. She has an argument for being up there with interesting villains because she does stand for something interesting, but her methods are to the to are very callous and treat life very callously. I mean, so, we've so, we've been talking about her for ten minutes now. That's an interesting right. Character. Like that's the thing. You're like, here's my thing. You look at all of, like the all of the um, the MCU villains that came before, like oh. from Thanos to freaking Malekith. Do you remember Malekith exactly? Um, oh. <laughs> so oh, my thing is like, okay, you can make an argument at the very least to me. She's like the vil- she's like a- she's on the same level as of the villain from um Ant-Man and Wasp. At the very Aww. least. It's only up from there. So that's her floor. I I think I think Chris just to give you a context here. No, do, do, remember, do remind I me who is the villain from Ant-Man and Wasp? Uh, exactly. Totally oh, no. The fact uh, that it, we remember her. So so who here puts is, her up there. So do you like guys yeah. So Come here, on, Chris. So here's my my my. Don't, I'm <laughs> freaking out. I'm stepping into a minefield. I get no, it. Back no, back up, Chris, dude. Chris, it's fine. It's fine. Just I I don't know about Alex and Peter, but here's like. Why can't I uh, freak out on my own show? You dude. can freak out, Chris. You're allowed to. Um, I would call as far as I'd say my rankings for villains overall would be like, <laughs> at the top. Loki's great. Hold on. You guys are like laughing, like whatever. Oh, go ahead, please. Like Loki at the top. Then you you know, you got like uh Eric Killmonger and like Thanos. 
and um honestly Hella's pretty great up there um you could put um like i think like agatha Hark- harkness is like great too so give, um, give, your, give us we'll each give our our best examples of which ones that we think are best then so we, give us five then for you yeah, yeah so so in no particular order uh because i i don't know where i'd rank them it'd be like loki eric killmonger thanos um uh agatha and now, now, now i'm like digging into yeah you gotta um, remember um oh i mean like i think like honestly as weird as it is like ultron was kind of great even though like it was kind of like medium like I think Agatha Harkness is like a really great villain. She's super fun. And that reveal we got in that episode just like tied it together and just perfectly did. And she got her comeuppance at the end. Like, I think like, like WandaVision's villain is like a great example of what a villain should be in these shows. And I think like Carly is probably in the top 10, but not in the top five. The fact that you can remember her alone puts her in the top 10. Yes, well, for sure. I, I 100% agree with you. I did not remember her name until this episode. If you go back and listen to past episodes, I've been struggling to remember her name. And I've been struggling to remember her name until the final episode. I, she's not that memorable for me. Although I believe in her struggle, I don't think her conflict is very interesting. In terms, <sighs> so, but in terms of my five, my five villains, it would be um, Loki, Thanos, Killmonger, for sure. And then uh, Zemo, just for Civil War. I really like Zemo in Civil War. I think his goal is super interesting. You expect one thing, you get something else. And now that Zemo is in even... Now they've turned Zemo into another Loki, I'm cool with that shit. I'm fine. Like, Zemo's... I love Daniel Brühl. Um, And then I like Michael Keaton a lot. From Even though I don't like uh, Homecoming that much... I like his character a lot. Um, and I, I think Jake Gyllenhaal is an interesting Mysterio. I love the way he's just a fucking... I love the way he hams that shit up. So it's a, it's a combination of performance and also character. And although I think there's a lot of juicy bits about Carly as a character I find interesting, as a performance, didn't really do much for me. And that's, it's a very grounded show. She's a very grounded person. She's talking about refugees and the world she lived in. She's not supposed to be flashy and all that stuff, but that's kind of half the thing you're looking for. But if I were to pick like which one I find more interesting and more entertaining, Zemo's more entertaining, even though he has no reason to be there. Carly may have a reason to be there, but she's just kind of shuffled in the mix of everything for me. And I don't know whose fault that is necessarily. She's another white person, so it's not like that's the case for me in terms of racism. Like, I, I don't. I just. I she got. Like her, she mixed. She looked Irish to me, but I don't know. I mean, she's like, like British mixed, so that they're yeah, lighter skin. I was gonna say she looked very mixed race. I I would say ah, he's a ginger. <laughs> he's a ginger. <laughs> My God, I love it. Freckles, freckles. Um, I, I do get what she was fighting for. And she's basically like a lot of people fighting for their country or fighting for refugees going for other countries. Like she's no different than most of the terrorists until she got the serum. And then it was a simple idea of just like, look, 
come and let us talk this out. We don't want you to continue to commit these acts of terrorism because we believe in what you're doing, but you're taking your violence too far. And that's kind of it. It's nor it's the same shit you see in every Jack Ryan show. And while that is an incredibly realistic character, I kind of expect a little bit more from my MCU villains in terms of the whole. I would pick Kingpin. Way more. I disagree. <laughs> I would pick the the uh, David Tennant from Jessica Jones. That guy's scary as shit. I mean, there are so many other people that have been more interesting than her on so many other levels of entertainment than just being an interesting person. And she is a very interesting person. But the only thing that makes her part of a Marvel show is she put some serum, she put some juice in her that made her strong. Other than that, I've seen her character in other shows and other video games before. So although I find her struggle to be interesting when I'm watching the news, uh, in terms of the MCU, in terms of escapism and entertainment, you got to put a little bit more juice in there. And it's sad because most of those people, the Hela is the only example of someone who is that character who goes that crazy and is a woman or, um, uh, uh, um, not Hawkins, the woman from Iron Man three, who's like totally playing, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow until she turns in is like a bad guy at the end. That's a good, I think it's Maya Hansen. Yeah. Uh, Yes, I forgot the actress's name. But I really, she's in Converse Godzilla. I she's a great actress. I I those are good performances, but there are very few women. So will I say that she is the best? She's probably the most interesting villain out of the women. I think you can make a very strong argument. Hella is awesome and in a spectacle and a really. I don't, crazy I don't, know, I don't know, Alex. No, like, no, 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 Han's a great villain. Like I think, I think I, you're. I think Hella is really up there and cinematic as fuck. But basically, she's only there to take over the world that was taken from her and has become more of a resentful bitch for it. Whereas, again, Carla, Carly is a, a realistic example of a human terrorist in a Marvel show. That is interesting and more interesting than Hella. But there are also, sadly, more interesting male spectacle villains above her in the MCU for me. Um, so my top five, um, Dormammu. Ah, okay. Um, he's come to bargain. No, Dr. Strange came to bargain and he got caught in the time. You know what? I'm joking because meme. Um, look at this. Look what I have to do. I have to look up MCU villains. Like that's the bar we are working with. Like you say that you expect more from an MCU villain, dude. Half of these people I have already forgotten. Like, let's see here. Like, it's been a hot minute since I've seen Iron Man 2, but Justin Hammer. I hate, I, I love Sam Rockwell, but I hate that character. <laughs> let's see. Um, I mean, I, I would see a Justin Hammer in, like, I hated... Uh, Mickey Rourke! I'm sorry? Mickey Rourke was in Iron Man 2. Well, he had the electric whips. Villain Whiplash is way worse than Justin Hammer, but just both of them are useless. They're useless. Exactly. That 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 was that's been the bar for the longest time, up until like the double whammy of like Killmonger and Thanos. I, uh, the, or I, no, Loki was around well, for the longest time, but he eventually became an antihero. I never really saw, after a certain point. I never saw him as a villain. The worst villain for me recently was Walter Coggins in Ant-Man 2. 
Oh, he's so bad. He's so that 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 whole movie has no villain. It's just it's just yeah, just bring back Justin Hammer. Just bring back Justin Hammer. I know. It literally it was just Scott running around like accepting the fact that like he was under house arrest and evading the cops. I, uh, my, like the, here's the thing. The bar for me is middle. Like most of these villains on here only exist simply because there needs to be a villain like and okay you can make the argument well villains should exist whatever like like regardless but like you can tell when someone's put in effort okay thanos and killmonger right or claw heck alex i don't even know if you mentioned him ego he did. He said, okay. uh, yeah. I did not say Ego, but I do think Ego is a fun performance and an interesting character. Absolutely. Like, yeah. that's that's the thing. Again, Carly Carly is not an interesting performance. It does nothing interesting about her. In a sh- and the problem, the, again, not her fault, it's a show that has a lot of shit in it. A lot of shit that doesn't really feel complete. Doesn't so drip, I'm, though. Like, when I ask myself who are the villains in this show, it's four people. It, uh, well, three people technically. It's the power broker who we find out is on the outskirts funneling and funding uh, the Flag Smashers and Carly. And then there's Zemo. Zemo has no effect on the show whatsoever. He's just there to be fun. And it's great. I love him. But he, he's watching not 10 hours of Zemo dance is the greatest. I would watch a Zemo yeah. show. Like, I love what they've turned him into. I think he's a lot of fun. I'm glad he exists. Great. But he's not the bad guy of the show. He doesn't really do anything evil outside of shoot the guy who makes the serum. And that's pretty much it. Uh, you have the power broker who's on the outskirts and just also after the Flag Smashers. So it's really Carly and the Flag Smashers. And I, and I wonder... All of these other side villains and all these side adventures, when does Carly show up as the main villain that they need to stop? And it's the last three to four episodes of the show. Her big power move just sort of happens at the beginning of the last episode. You don't even see, you don't, you don't see him take the hostages. You don't see him come into the, uh, up into the building. Like there's all of a sudden they like Sam and Bucky go there and there's, there's already a situation. It just sort of occurs. And I, I think it's it's too late by that point for me to have cared that much about them. It took forever for me to understand what their reasons for fighting for were. And when they did, it was kind of too late because we'd spent so much time partying with so many interesting bad guys. That like once Carly shows up and she's like, hey, I have a real problem, guys. And I really want to discuss it right now. I'm like, why aren't you ta- why aren't you dancing in a club? Come on. Why aren't you being more interesting? You know, it. It kind of is the bad move. And then when you add this, I don't think it it is a huge mystery of who the power broker is. I just think it's a mystery. It's just this thing that's hanging in the air. They don't put a lot of focus on it, but it does take a large amount of time at the end of the show. A large amount of time we could have spent way more on with Carly. I, I don't think she's fleshed out enough. And that's all I'm saying. I, I think that's the show's fault and not hers. And... I, that's coming from someone again who w- did not find her memorable. You, on the other hand, did. You were looking for a grounded show. You were looking for the opposite of uh, One Division. You wanted something that was a buddy cop show with villains that you'd seen in stuff that you would see in Call of Duty. 
So no, Chris, I don't fault you for this. And I actually think you're making a fantastic argument. I really do, especially for female villains where there are so few. That woman stood up for what she believed in, and then Sam stood up for her after he tried to save her life. He thought she was worth saving. I, I think so. Will she be memorable for me for this very discussion? Yes, Chris, you have proven that she's someone that's worth being remembered for. I've said her name enough that I probably won't forget it in a while. That's the power. <laughs> of, that's the power of storytelling, and that's the power of you watching something and seeing something different that I didn't. So thank you. But I, I honestly do think, at the very least, that um, Zemo is really good in Civil War. I'll stand by that. I think he's such a smart. I think it's really cool. I'm watching. I'm watching like a 10 hour video of a loop of Zemo dancing. You do you go ahead and do that. We'll continue <laughs> on. Um anyway, just <laughs> like but just like yeah, like see now with me like I'm starting to see the pattern of like for me I was I was just like um like I'm I'm noticing a trend. Like if they're not for MCU villains, if they are not A entertaining or B do something like game changing, they're not worth it. No. Imagine if Hella wasn't imagine if Hella was like more of a grounded person. She would not be as memorable as she is today. What? Well, imagine if Killmonger like Man, imagine if like Killmonger to like didn't take the throne. Imagine if he didn't do that. How interesting would he be? Imagine if Thanos didn't do the snap. How interesting. Still, how remember how memorable would he have been? Still interesting. I think that, uh, look, I I don't I think I don't think it's as black and white as that and I don't think it needs to be because again, you've made it very clear that it's about who puts the work and effort into the villain. Again, Michael Keaton's villain is really well developed. And when you get to that scene with both of them in the car and then get to the scene with them later, it's an adult. It's a father talking to his child's date. And then it's an adult talking to a kid pretending to be an adult. Those are really interesting choices and discussions. Is he as um, as captivating as other villains? No. And yes, I would say Michael B. Jordan, because the very first scene you see Michael B. Jordan in, and he takes that mask and he's like, I'm feeling it. That's character. That's performance. That's putting more into it. I'm sorry if the actress who plays Carly is not as talented as Michael B. fucking Jordan. That's I. That's not my fault, and it's not hers either. But this show called for a grounded villain in Carly. And it's possible that her character had another story that they had to reshoot entirely and change, and that she had to step up and pretend. And the show, for some reason, felt that for the first half of it, needed Zemo to be so goofy and silly and Zemo with a fancy butler and dancing in a club before we got to the realistic grounded villain that is Carly. These are decisions that they made to prove your point, which is that this show did not need Carly to be a crazy, insane person. They didn't need her to freak out and be like um, the woman from Dread. For example, that's an that's a crazy female lead revolutionary performance who is actually standing. She may be making a gang leader stance in that building, but she also hates the system and should. So she, she is in a way right for what she's doing, but has also been turned evil by the violence that she occurs on others. She's no different than the system she rejects against. And that's where Carly was going. 
And that is, that's all great. And that's all there. But I only, the only reason I think she doesn't work as well is because she's not as fully concrete as every character is not fully concrete. Just show us messy and it has too many stories. And she's not given the air to breathe that her character that you have now proven to me tonight deserved. She deserved. Uh, there was a grounded character needed for this show. They didn't need her to be fancy. And they proved to someone like you that what you were looking for is what you got. In my opinion, I think she should have been given more time earlier in the show. I think uh, something happened. Something happened when Mom and Danya died in that editing and she leaves the show for a bit, I think they cut something out. And I think they, re they rejiggered it. We were so, I think we were supposed to spend way more time with the refugees and feel her loss. Because we felt more of her grief than her loss. I think something's missing, and we just didn't get it. Like, for me, with this kind of stuff, I don't need much, you know? Like, that's something I've realized. Like, I'm... I'm kind of easy to like suck in if that, you know what? Hold on a second. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. That's what she said. <laughs> um, God. Thank God. I, was <laughs> I stopped myself. I was like, okay, that I needed that. I needed to swallow that L. Um, but like, I'm <laughs> like, I didn't like, like Alex, like you said, like I didn't need an over the top performance. I kind of got that. With Zemo. Um, like, for me, I was like, I didn't need, like, in a grand, like, Emmy worthy, like, award worthy performance from, <clears throat> from, from, um, from Carly's actress to be enthralled. I just needed, like, I'm not an actor. I'm not in, I'm not trying to get into being an actor. I'm trying to, get into write and direct and me following like Can the writing and like the direction of it. That's what got me. It wasn't necessarily her performance or lack thereof. It was just how well to me, at least she was written with what, with how much time they gave her. That's like, that's pretty much all I need. And what she was given, like, for me, that's not something like I didn't expect Marvel to like tackle this issue at all. So the fact that we're complaining that he didn't get a movie, we again, I think Peter, you brought this up. Like he got he got something. And what he and what this show is, like, I didn't expect them to tackle race. I didn't. Though I should have, because it's about Sam picking up the shield. And like it's hard to dodge or to like dance around that issue of race that some people will have um with um sam picking up the shield because i know there are people out there who said it should have been bucky but come on guys like yeah if not like there is a decent chance that bucky if he was captain america if he was captain america he would have been just as unstable as john walker if not more so. Like, Bucky is compromised. Mentally. Um, so, from, so, like, for me, so like I said, like, I didn't need much, but, like, the argument of, like, for, like, half the planet was gone, and they learned to survive, and everybody 
came together and now everybody's back and everybody's trying to bring back the like trying to bring back what came before and what was there when they were gone was so much better at least to Carly that it was worth dying for or killing hostages for I so that's and that for me the, for the, the whole time like every time she like was on screen and was talking about her cause I was like I'm I'm engaged like I'm engaged into this like I'm like I'm genuinely thinking I was like okay that's genuinely interesting to me like the world was better when half of it wasn't there like and then so half of it comes back and they're trying to go back even though they've made so much progress when they like when they weren't when um half the population was gone they made so much progress and now they're trying to go backwards back to where that is and then that's an interesting dilemma of itself if half the people on the earth just disappeared and then like they learned to adapt the heck they moved forward and then they came back what do you do do you go back to the way things were or do you try to adapt now trying to adapt is hard is harder than going than stepping backwards well that, so that's, that's all i that's all i'm saying like her character it could have been anyone i get it it could have been anyone maybe somebody of more like gravitas but like mm -hmm. at least the issue was like just the, the i guess more of the issue that she brought to the show and mm. in that regard to the universe as it stands when the show came out and it's canon i thought it posed an interesting idea and i think i was more <laughs> enthralled by that than anything else but i still i still liked her like i still liked her as a villain I'm i not still think she's up there just for the just simple for the fact that i can remember who she is, I can at least. You can I now speak for everybody else. You do, like you, okay, so I I'm I'm not disagreeing with you. In fact, I agree with you. I think you've convinced me of a lot of things. I'm responding right now, at least, to the last thing you said, which or the thing you're saying right now, which is that they need to be this to be memorable. I don't think that necessarily has to be the case. I just think in this case it was for me because of the things I was looking for. And I, I know it's hard sometimes because I'm overcritical of things that you enjoy because I'm overcritical of a lot of things and you are not as critical as me. You just you're trying to be critical on your on the level that you are, but you are not as analytical as I am. It's not about being smart; it's about how you approach the thing you're watching. And I do get that. And sometimes it, I, I I think you have made a strong argument that I agree with now that she is an interesting character that didn't need to be flashy or have an extreme performance or anything like that. And I don't think that that is required to be a good villain overall for the product that you are. And that's the thing, the MCU, when you make something in it is two things. How does it stand up on its own as something that you just wanna watch, that you don't have to watch all the other fucking shit to watch? And then how does it stand within the context of the entire uh, MCU in general? Now, this is one character on a TV show versus 
another a bunch of other shows and a bunch of other movies. There's a lot of people to compare her to. So when it comes to memorableness, yeah, a lot of things get put into play. The star power, the memorableness of it, the wardrobe, the scope of it, the scale, the a lot of things come into play when you're comparing a six-episode show to something like Endgame or something as weird as Ragnarok. Or just you can't. It's unfair to that extent. If I were to say in terms of the TV shows, that's a little bit different because these are all stories that have room to breathe. I I think that she's up there with interesting with a lot of the interesting villains. I do. I don't think it needs to be required to be flashy, and I don't think that that means that I'm. I don't think just because I don't find her memorable that I'm writing her off. It's just I think. What I when I think of a villain in an MCU or an action film or what it is like, a lot of things have to interest me on certain levels, but also for the purity of what the show is. This is a show that is two things. It's a buddy cop show where the villains kind of fun to hang out with with these buddy cops, and sometimes it's a serious show about terrorism and race, and you have to take it for what it is. And I liked Zemo as a villain who farts around like he's fucking. Uh, uh, Joe Pesci in a Lethal Weapon movie. That's pretty much what he is. And then you have someone like Carly who is making a strong argument. But for I will say this. You know what I find interesting? We're talking a lot about Carly right now. You know what we didn't do? Talk about Carly up into this fucking episode. You know what we did talk about? Who the fuck is the power broker? What about the power broker? <laughs> right, didn't talk right. Actual growth. Because it isn't till now when Stan steps up and makes the argument for her I always found her I think I said it was on me because I always found her compelling I just never really like was like able to like bring it up until now you know because like we all oh, talk over each yeah. other a lot so like a lot can get lost very easily so I guess that's on me I should have brought it up like sooner no but, it's um, not, not really I was, com- I, mean- I was compelled the whole time we're all I'm we're just all now capable talking of... about it. <laughs> but um but yeah, um I think you've convinced me, man. She is a very good MCU character. Certainly one of the best MCU female villains, and she's yeah. certainly a great example of what of these again, these shows that they're just putting out now are examples right. of what we are hopefully to expect in the future. If she is one of the two of uh, Zemo and her are great villains. For her being like an uh, on an intellectual level and him being on an entertaining level in one show that's only six episodes long, that's success in my book. Yeah, like that's another thing. Like we, I know we talked a lot about this in uh, whilst uh, WandaVision was going on, but like this is MCU Marvel, like Kevin Feige MCU, venturing now into like limited series and like shows now like episodic shows like this is their second outing like it only gets better from here like they're just starting so if things are janky now like maybe like two three years from now they're like they'll clean it up they'll they only get better from here I agree. It's just, these are pretty damn good for, like, the Kevin Feige one produces. Yeah, because he gave it to the guy, that other guy, he just with each show got worse and worse. And he was like, screw it, I'm going to do this now. 
And yeah, he's going to assemble and fall as each one kind of finds itself as he's trying to. Because like the last time they were, how are we going to interconnect these movies? How are we going to make these movies lead to movie events? Now they're like, how are we going to connect these TV shows and these limited series and these movies all together now? Like he really just added a new chainsaw to the juggling mix and you got to respect him for that. Yeah. Um, Any other, I know we went on a wild tangent, but like. I had multiple things from what you guys were saying. I've been writing them okay. around. <laughs> Letting you guys go. Don't go too long. Otherwise, Zach will complain that we're talking more about Winter Soldier than uh, the Dark Crystal. I'm taking a really long pause just for that fact. <laughs> I'm totally fucking kidding. So there, there are a couple things. Um, from what all you guys were saying, all like the, the best MCU, all the Is best MCU. Oh no. Are you here, Zach? Zach, wake up! Yes, I got him! Did you? Yes! Okay, okay, cool, 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 cool. Just make sure, make sure. I wasn't looking at my phone. I, I saw at one point that you had muted, and I I think I thought in my head is that you had left. And then I was like being an idiot. Anyway, go please go ahead, Peter. I will shut up. Okay, thank you. If you talk again, I won't do anything about it, and I'll respect your voice. Uh <laughs> So all the villains that you guys have mentioned, there's not a lot of controversy with who's the best villain because from what we've gotten in in the past, you know, decade of movies, there's not that much controversy. It's like, yeah, Thanos is Thanos. Hella is Hella. I even agree with Zach. I put Ultron on my list before when we you know first started talking about what our you know favorite villains are just because of the the morals of what ultron has there's a lot of depth there where it's like so great too yeah but and i just just for poops and gigs i looked up mcu villains okay and this is just a google a google search mcu villains from sources across the web all of your favorite villains are at the top of this list yep so we don't have much to go off of after right. these, you know, five or six villains. Um, so that that's that's one thing. But we we have all of this time to process to look back on all of these villains that we got. You know, some even close to ten years ago now. Right. But like, will you remember Carly within that same time span? That is an excellent point. Because you have just watched this. I I somewhat agree with you, honestly, about Carly being an interesting character. But the question is for all of us. Like, are we going to remember her the same way we remember Loki? And we remember Ultron? That isn't... That's that's actually an excellent point that I thought about. Because, like, 23 movies in 10 years. That's a lot. Yeah. Like, that's... And that's a lot in a... I know this is like we this is gonna be weird to say. That's a lot in a short amount of time. Like there were like two or three movies a year. Like it's fucking crazy. You only had like months to digest, like between each movie, their villain. You know? So like yeah, I totally like that totally makes a lot of sense. So like in ten years, are we gonna also, remember are we gonna remember Carly at all? I feel like the 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 villains that have kind of stood the test of time in the long term. And I'm just looking at like top 10 lists and stuff are like 
villains who have left large impacts not only on the rest of the MCU as a whole, but also on their role in their particular thing. So, for example, obviously, like, Thanos, you know, five movies, he murdered everybody, he was the main villain of two movies. Mm-hmm. It, it's not surprising. You know, you look at Loki, you know, he's also five movies, you know, very iconic. Tom Hilston has done tons of work. He's, yes, now he's more of an anti-hero, but... He's been iconic, and every time you see on him, that's Loki. I mean, even Eric Killmonger, he he got one movie, but in that one movie, his character was so perfectly iconic and so perfectly part of that world, and he sent the right message that did it. And I'm also looking at the same, this is a recent list. You know, Hela's up here. You know, the top Spider-Man villain people are talking about is Mysterio, which, you know, you talk about Jake Gyllenhaal, but he's a very iconic villain when you still look at it. Like, he in and obviously like they put number four as Agatha Harkness. She, if you think about WandaVision as a show, and I know we shouldn't compare it, but if you look at it, she was iconic from the minute she came on screen to the moment they they sang it was Agatha all along. Like it, it it's it it perfectly encapsulates what I think MC, good great MCU villains are, and it, it it's the thing I feel like. Carly really, really, really wants, but that Zemo took a lot from is that when you think about Falcon Winter Soldier, you think about Zemo. You think about him dancing and shooting people and being kind of an all-around bad guy, which Memes. is not which is not what we want from this show. We want Carly to be this character who's who's iconic and and quoting things and sending the right message and kind of we want her to be Eric Killmonger, but she's not not because Zemo took all the kind of iconic like things from it like when you think about villains in this you, you uh, sadly you think about zemo dancing like that's yeah. all people freaking talk about in the show and well i think i think the show is trying to offer you both it's trying yeah. to offer you its cartoonish comic book villain but it's also trying to offer you a grounded threat that because uh, some of some the people that were making the argument that this is like if it's about protesting and all that, and then someone stepped in and was like, the whole point of the whole point of superhero stories and Captain America punching Hitler in the first place is that they're power fantasies. They are made up so that we have no real answer to these threats in the real world. Let's escape and just pretend like we did. And that's the whole point of Carly. Carly is representative of actual terrorism, which is human um, sympathetic yeah. stories. If you mean actual people that are trying to cause rebellions within third world countries, it's people who have seen nothing but trauma, their families torn from them, just just terrible things. They're going to look you dead in the face and be like, you're going to sit in your nice home and watch your shows and argue about your Marvel shit and tell me what I'm doing is wrong. And that's a hard thing to make a show about and then have a guy in a Falcon suit fly up and be like, you people don't know what you're doing. That's tough shit. It really is. To create Carly in the first place in this show and make her work at all, I respect. And Chris is really revealing a lot of that to me tonight. But the, the problem is, yes, 10 years from now, will she be memorable as a fictional villain in a world that produces a villain with every property? And that is probably not. And that's because the performance wasn't that great. And it's because a lot of the time I was like trying not to roll my eyes when she's like, Mama Danya. Like, just the, it's not the way 
I don't think that she's a bad actress. It's just <laughs> when you put those words together with that accent, it just sounds really funny to me. And it took a lot of the <laughs> seriousness away of certain moments when she keeps saying that because they kept asking, I'm like, who is Mama Danya? Why do we give a shit about Mama Danya? Who the fuck is Mama Danya? Mama Danya, Mama Danya, Mama Danya, Mama Danya. Okay. Mama Danya. And, like, okay. <laughs> so- and, I, I, and I felt like something was missing with her. And like her performance is not up to a level that needs to be member that in my opinion needs to be a member in a visual medium that's about acting it doesn't it, i don't think it called for it and so that's why they put zemo there it, so, i think it would her in the future yes but the we have spent so much time talking about her because chris has made a strong defense and i do like her more now but i honestly think if we have to sit here and talk about this stuff to get it just like we did with agent right. carter then the show should have done that work for us it's so, grounded our cops yeah. So, I do want to shift gears, though. Okay. Is I'm, John Walker uh, now absolved of no. his trans... No. Like... <laughs> <laughs> no, him... Okay, that moment where he makes that shield at the end of episode five, right? And um, he yeah. brings the shield in, that fin- in the finale. And... Short <laughs> <laughs> answer, Chris. Oh. <laughs> I did have he a... throws that DIY Captain America shield and it doesn't come back to him. It just falls on the ground. And then as the flag smashers, which I, now that the finale is over, I can most definitely say that is the worst like villain group name. Like yeah. so far. Um, but like, they're all oh, just like the kicking him on the ground against this, like this plastic little shield. <laughs> Or this aluminum foil shield. Like, I just thought that was, like, the funny... I thought that was the funniest thing. Like, like he threw it and it just fell to the ground. It's very pathetic. I did have a a few other things off of the question that I asked a little bit ago. I'm sorry, Peter. (laughs) Um, So, I think one that we have... One villain that we haven't mentioned before is Nebula. I think that's what her name is. Oh, you counter? Yeah, I do. Oh, yeah, dude. Nebula, so good. She is one of my favorite MCU villains. She's at the top of my list. She's the best female villain up there for sure. Fuck yeah, dude. Uh, That's the. Here's my thing, though. She's an. uh, Doesn't matter. She was a villain before she was an anti hero, and then before she was a hero. She was a villain before. That counts, dude. He's a villain that the Winter now? Soldier was a fucking villain before he turned into an anti-hero. Uh, Your logic isn't sound there. No, no, no. She not only was a villain in two movies before she became good by the end of Guardians 2, she was a villain again in Endgame. She's been a villain three times. And she was a villain against herself. She killed herself. That's how well, interesting that was. That was a different timeline. Uh, she's still a villain. Still a villain. <laughs> Bruh. Good call, Peter. Good call. She's like, yeah, she's the female Loki for sure. Dude, I was Nebula's not about to eat those fucking words, man. Let's <laughs> <laughs> uh, shift gears here. Uh, no, um, I really hate how John Walker's story turned out, honestly. This last episode, he's running with the gang. He's running alongside Falcon. Sorry, Captain America. And... Uh, you know, metal arm McGee. And they're like, 
fucking and he, he has a moment where he's like do i have you know avenge my best friend's death or do i save this you know van full of people and he saved the van full of people which was really cool but like there was just this it was cut so short and his story was neutered to the point where he's now just teaming up an episode later with the guys that he was just battling against i i think the interesting thing about him is i do feel like his story is um I do feel like I get what his story is, but also I would enjoy more because the character needs to be explained more as well as fleshed out more because everything you need to know about him is in those moments, but also just to make them work in this world, they should be explained more. The fact that he made his shield and wears the suit and came to go pretty much kill Carly in public is crazy. Yeah. that's an insane thing to do. Exactly. When he throws the shield and it hits the ground and it goes clank, everyone in that room went, oh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And <laughs> like, but he still chose to save people's lives and he still chose with Bucky to call the cops on the other Flag Smashers instead of enacting his own sense of justice. And then I, I think him becoming the U.S. agent. I don't know much about the comic book character. I do know that he is consistent in being someone that is a, like, he goes on both sides. He can either do good stuff or he can either do bad stuff. And I think when they look at them and they say, uh, what his best friend's like, it, you are, you got the Captain America job because you always made the right decision in battle. I think the point is, uh, he took the serum and he doesn't know whether to make the right decision in battle or not. And they've enhanced that more. Can he save hostages and make that decision? Sure. But can he also decide to go kill Carly? Yeah. You don't know. You got to flip that coin. And because of that, he can't be Captain America. It takes a guy with no serum and a hard life, but the right ideas to be him. And so I do think as a reflection to Sam, he works. However, this is what I really would have wanted. I would, if it was a singular Sam movie, he would have been the bad guy. And yeah. he still would have been U.S. agent, but he would have died U.S. agent. And, but uh, there is a theory that this is all the, uh, that him and Zemo uh, are leading to the Thunderbolts. And that I'm fine with. If you're making a dark team led by uh, Thunderbolt Ross, with these characters and that's existing in comics and you want to keep him around for that. I get it. But honestly, he should have been the bad guy and he should have been the singular bad guy in a movie. I, I like have the flag smashers there and have Carly there. Sure. But she could have been just as fleshed out in that movie too. get a better actress. That character would have had a better time, I think, but Zemo should have been in a winter soldier show that so, involved Wakanda and stuff. So, uh, to briefly explain to this and just to kind of give you an idea of briefly. what this agent is like in the comics, he's basically just like a alt-right Captain America. That's basically right. Yeah. That that that's the best description I could give him is that he's just an alt-right Captain America. That tracks. Which you, know, <laughs> uh, you laughed about it, Chris, but it it like emphasizes like the extreme patriotism the fact that he's a veteran the fact that you know he's willing to murder a person in broad daylight and practically walk away with almost no repercussions which he exactly did they said yeah, oh it's not a thing you're stripped of everything but he he didn't go to jail he definitely got out of it 
Yeah, Rittenhouse got out. It's, I, yeah, I think he's basically a composite of somebody like him. But yeah. they, his mind killing that guy with the shield was no different than walking out in high noon and killing a guy with a gun. It's true. Yeah, I, I, it sucks because I like Carly's character and I like her story, but I also think that there was there were too many quote unquote villains in this show where they all got neutered. Every single one of them got neutered. Yeah. Remember when the Dora Milaje showed up? Yeah. Yes. Two minutes. <laughs> Dude, that's what I'm like. I I would have loved for this show to like maybe even be two seasons because then we would have gotten all of these points covered for John Walker and all of these points covered for Carly and her squad of flag smashers. Flag burners. Flag burners. You just do that. Why? Oh my gosh. Go ahead. Because they don't they don't want people actually burning flags on a Disney show. Yeah. They didn't don't. even smash any flags in the first place. No, it's mostly a symbolistic. It's a symbol. I, I you can't I smash also, the flag. That's the point. You can't. You can fold it or tear it. You gotta put it shred or take a pin, sit on it. But that's smash it. Smash is a PG thirteen term. No, there's a group in the comics called the Flag Smashers. It's a terrible idea. That's why it came from. That's why it's a terrible idea. It came from the '60s. Well, the the fact that we're never gonna get her character again sucks. The the other thing to she's to fucking be, dead. To be clear, is that Flag Smashers is actually a riff off the the villain named Flag Smasher, who whose alter ego was Carl Morgenthau, and that they basically took the character gender bent it to Carly and then instead of making her flag smasher she she leads the flag smashers that's cool yeah. it's like a gang from the warriors yep basically and it was basically just a captain america villain so yeah, the warriors were awesome yeah that name would have been awesome in the warriors <laughs> that's probably true that's all i'm saying they were so, baseball face paint <laughs> should should we, should we should we start moving on this week? Anyway, no, no. Um, uh, if there's anything well, else anybody wants to say about Captain America: The Winter Soldier, not really. I'm all I'm gonna say is Sam Wilson earned it to me. You damn yeah. right. Most definitely, that was Here that was it. my main hope, and I and I fucking got it. That's the main. That was pretty much the main objective of the show. Yeah. The other objective, I was going to see if I was right about John Walker dying, but it was Carly dying instead. Yeah. Well, he's dead to me, so he was never Cap. No, it's some Hashtag white guy who, who has an automatic jail out of free card. <laughs> I don't know if he got an automatic one. He earned it through service. But we also <laughs> he did some shit, apparently, so we don't know what he did. Uh, anywho. Also, we should get a Isaiah Bradley like prequel show. Just saying. Oh, anyway, yes. all right. What did we watch oh, this week? Uh, who wants to go first? I can go first, I guess. So, so be beyond the watching of a couple episodes of Dish Space Dandy with the with the Alex. Oh um, my gosh! Yes. <laughs> what have you seen? Space, Space Dandy. Dandy? Yeah. Oh my I've god! Seen a majority of Space Dandy. I don't isn't, think I finished it. Isn't it? Maybe I did. I don't know. Is it? Isn't it wonderful? It's wild. 
It's great. Alex it's got wild. to see see the first episode for the first time, and his reaction to the first episode was amazing. Let him speak. Speak, Alex. But uh, well, I'm yes, gonna go. No, hold on. Let, Let me get this turn. I'll talk about it when I get to okay. my stuff. All right, all right. So, uh, so I've been rewatching alongside Alex. I'm f- into the fifth episode. Alex hasn't started the third, but that's okay. Uh, other than that, uh, I w- um, what else did I watch? Oh, I've been watching Community again. I'm like love that show, dude. in love with young Donald Glover. He's he's so funny, and and all I can say is Troy and Avid in the morning. <laughs> but uh, it is so much fun. Um. But other than that, I watched Mortal Kombat. So much fun. I love it. Chris, have you seen it? I'm saving it for a time where you won't bitch at me for going to a movie theater to see it. Oh, no. If you're vaccinated, go see it, dude. I don't fucking care. Um, That's the point. I'm saving uh, it for the movie theater. Don't you dare spoil it. Okay. Well, it's fun as hell. So (laughs) that's all I'm going to say. Definitely the best Mortal Kombat movie. And wait, Alex. I just thought about something. I, Chris and Alex. Who are you talking to? Both of you. I'm talking about <laughs> you. Mortal. Isn't one of the Mortal Kombat's on one of the wheels? No. No. Well, now we can officially put it on the series wheel. No. We're not spinning that tonight. Well, I know, but wait, why can't we put it on? There's three movies in it. That's the, uh, the, not the, tonight. The no, 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 I'm sorry. Well, Chris is right. We're not doing that type, but also this new movie is not in the same universe as the other ones. So? Doesn't count. Pooper. That's all I'm going to say. Poopers. I agree. If we can put TV if movies... For a reason to watch all three of those movies, We can put TV movies on. We can do alternate universes if there's only three. It's not a, uh, we're bending the rules every time. It's not. There's like gonna be no rules. I don't count that. Fine, whatever. Anyways, um, what else did I watch other than that? Uh, based Andy. Uh, yeah, I think that's basically it. I I've been kind of just keeping up with my usual stuff, and then I I watched Space Dandy with Alex. Now that we kind of have a free time to talk about stuff, and we don't have um, we're not gonna have an MCU show till June. Nope. Which is kind of crazy. So, God, what are we going to spend our time on that? Can we talk about Space Dandy or Attack on Titan then? No, because I'm not watching it until Attack on Titan lives up to what I want. We can talk about Space Dandy, though, because you already have seen it, right? I'm almost certain I finished it. I'm not sure. Well, I mean, it was a long time ago. That's okay. Uh, yeah, I think that's about it. That's all I've, I, I really watched. I kind of, I, I did all my, uh, I did my Jim Henson research, which was mostly watching the Defunct Plan series again. I cannot wait for Alex to get neck deep into Space Dandy. That's going to be a So Alex has some words to say about Space Dandy. So Alex, I'm going to. Alex, let, maybe you should go next. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, Alex, I'm going to let you pivot on to talking about Space Dandy because, oh boy. <laughs> Oh, well, okay, so I'll start Space Dandy because um, I've only watched two episodes of that. And um, I don't get it. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I fucking love it. Uh, (laughs) No, totally my back. Um, I'm savoring the episodes because there's only 26. 
and the dubs are hard to find for me. I can only really find the subs. The first episode is in dub on YouTube for free. And I watched that twice because I was like, this is awesome. Um, it has a lot of the look and style and vibe of Bebop. It has different music, but the same sort of music cues. It has um, a lot of the same structure of those episodes, but like with more of a humor bent to it. The alien designs are insane in every episode. He, uh, uh, Dandy himself is like Johnny Bravo, but like anime. Uh, I'm the first episode applies a very sort of um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy sense of humor, while the second episode is um, has a very sort of human story at the end that like gets you, but also it, it makes you laugh, but also feel tragic for that character at the same time. It's nothing like a show that makes you realize that what you're watching isn't real, but you feel those emotions regardless yeah. of like being on a roller coaster. Like Bojack Horseman does that for me where to like rip my heart out, but also I'm like, oh yeah, it's a talking horse. What the fuck? I, I love it. And the, <laughs> that second episode had a moment where I was like, oh, that's tragic. And then I'm immediately laughing the next second and I, it earns it in such great ways. So I'm really going to take my time with this and enjoy this as much as I can. I'm not going to take like months to do it. I'll probably do it within the month, but I, I really well, am each episode. All I want to know, Alex, is when we finally finish the series, I and this is a question that every fan of Space Dandy ends up having to answer when they talk to Ian Sinclair, the guy who plays Dandy. He always asks them, what's your favorite episode and why? And when you're done with those 26 episodes, I'm going to ask you that question because I, I want to know. I have a particular answer that I love a lot. Uh, it's the fifth episode from the first season, but everyone has their own and it says a lot about the person be based on the content of the show, which is really cool. I mean, that's, that's fair. I said the same thing to you with Twin Peaks, which ones are my favorite and which ones are fan favorites. Um, Three episodes. I, I, I would say out of the two that I've seen so far, they're equal par. Like, I, it's hard to say because one was sub and one was dub, but in terms of what you get out of both of them storytelling-wise, they're so different but equal on so many different levels that watching that balance is going to be interesting throughout the two seasons, I guess. Yeah. A lot of people have a particular answer that they they answer. Um, I'm going to be curious what you think when you're done, but I, I have a particular episode I love. I'm really excited to find out what your favorite episode's going to be. I can tell you definitively it's 16. What? It's 16. Right okay. now. I'm telling you, right now it is. I've never seen it, but that's it. <laughs> okay. I'll believe you. On my tree and my fig leaf, that's fucking it! God. <laughs> or it's five. It's probably five. Five's gonna be good. I'm excited for five for you. Oh, okay. Uh, so Zach, real quick. I'm actually excited for you to see the zombie episode because that episode's so funny. No, Zach, hold on. Hold on. Yeah. We need to we need to take bet. We need to take a bet right now. Okay. How far do you think he's gonna get in before he says, Stop, I'm saving this for a very special occasion? <laughs> That's what she said. So, so Chris, to answer that question Sorry. for you, Sorry. question for you, it was you episode one. It. it was episode one because I had a conversation with him while watching it, and he already kind of implied that. It, it's certainly, it's certainly the kind of show where yes, I wish I could, but I, I have other things that I would want to savor it for. I don't. The, I think this is such a good time that I don't necessarily need to, but I probably will one day. Because it is only episodes, and the thing is, like, there are there like a good a, a good trip could probably be about twelve hours of your day, 
and you could swallow this up pretty easily in a day. And yeah. if that's what I was playing in a day, I'd have no problem. But I also want to do that with Bebop again. I don't think I've I don't think I've ever watched Bebop like that, but I would want to do that with Bebop. I want to do that with so many things. The list is long. What, this what, a, what, 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 what the other right Zach, now. let him finish. This to me, I want to watch right now. I mean, I, I'm I'm going to enjoy this no matter what. This is so good. Space Dandy's so good. Alex was very surprised by that ending. That ending was great, though, for the first episode. <laughs> I was surprised, but it remi- it reminded me of a show that I loved years ago um, that only had, like, a few episodes. And um, I don't want to spoil it because Peter hasn't seen it, but once once Peter has... Uh, we can talk about it, but it, I was I, I was very happy to see it. I was like, oh, I, I'm not the kind of person who's like, the balls. I was like, oh, that's awesome, good, sweet. I don't have to take, I, there are certain rules I don't have to take seriously. Yeah. And the rules, Which that, is that, like all I'm rules. just like, yes, let's go. I, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited because I, I'm actually particularly excited for you to see some of the episodes of season one, like the zombie episode, because those are like the really crazy funny ones that just go really fun. Why would you tell him there's a zombie episode? You just because gotta let him discover that himself. It doesn't spoil anything about it. And because the rules of the show... And it has zombies, dude. So what? It's Space Dandy, dude. <laughs> what do you think you're gonna get with Space Dandy? Alright. Not zombies. Know. Yeah, no, no, I, mean, I don't since know. He's, since he's told me that, I'm not gonna watch it. But uh, it's... <laughs> Still 24 more episodes, 23 more episodes to go. So I'm happy. Either way, like there's fun as crap stuff. And even saying brief explainers of episodes doesn't actually say much about the episode in all truthfulness, I think. Like, I think. think. (laughs) Well, I I, I will say this. That is the kind of thing where if you told me about this show, I'd be like, yeah, that sounds like it's only probably one sixteenth of what this episode has to offer, at least visually. And that's yeah. the thing. Just the amount of aliens they have in every episode is fucking crazy. It's fucking crazy. There's yeah. so many things that each episode has to offer that I'll let that shit slide. But yeah, I mean, uh, I, I know very little about it, and I'm really enjoying everything that I'm seeing. Yeah, I'm more of a a person when I watch something, I go straight into it without knowing anything. So everyone has their own opinion on what spoilers are. Sure. Even the people that you're spoiling those things to. (laughs) Fair enough. It is fair enough. Yeah. (laughs) So please don't do that. Okay. okay. Thank you. Anyway. My my next thing that I've watched is I got through season one of Attack on Titan. Oh, you finished it. Oh, you finished season one. Woo-hoo! Season, yes. I, I watched a lot of stuff this week and then had like a three to four work day schedule that fucking sucked. Oh, dude. And, um, I, but I did get through season one. And I will say this in terms of both Chris and myself, um, the first 16 episodes are a hard. They're hard to get through. I'm going to be honest. And it, it has a lot to do with the characters and it's a lot of world building and universe and politics they're applying. And there's a lot of character dynamics that need to be set up. And there's the aesthetic of them within these gray walls and all of these surrounded buildings, because of, most of the story is set within areas that are heavily populated in hopes that the Titans will eat them first instead of going inner and going to the rich people. And, once they get to episode 17, 
and you understand what the show is, and they're right. It's very neon Genesis Evangelion right after that. Evangelion right after that. But what once you get to episode 17, immediately I was like, I'm absolutely in now. Totally in. Everything is like everything snapped. The locations were different. The episodes were like actually, first of all, by that point, I think it was really great uh, and really well written. But they were spending like three episodes for them to just make an argument. And even them making an argument is just like the smoke clears the room and it's like as powerful as someone's fight. Like, I defend my friend in fucking court! Ah! I'm like, oh my God. And then like he just makes a massive fart and then smoke goes everywhere. And I'm like, all right, this is cool and everything, but like it's taking three episodes to do this shit. Can mm-hmm. we just move on? And then episode seven and like that same craftsmanship of storytelling gets way, way more honed down and focused because it's the first episode of the TV show. But once they once you get what the show is, it's like, oh, my God, great. And then and then it's perfect. Now I'm all in. Like it's still the, all the problems I have are still there, but they've been narrowed down to the problems you would have on almost any sort of anime show. It's still dark. It's still intense and nihilistic, but at least it's more adventurous. There's more greenery in the background, and the action's cooler. So, and there's more of it. So, and the story's more intense, but I, uh, the story's more interesting. Like Peter's going to say later, the the more you get into the lore, the more fun it gets. But there are some there are some dynamics and things that I have some uh, problems with. But I would say for you, once you get to seventeen, you might have a real strong chance of liking this a lot. It is a journey to get to seventeen, though. It's interesting. I was. It's. A, it is a absolute finger snap of a difference. You can feel the arcs of the episodes, and I'm like, okay, this is cool. I'm digging this. These are getting smarter. These are getting better. Craftsmen, the, the crafting of the story is getting better. But I'm like, are we going to leave this area? Are we going to, are they going to be training like it's Starship Troopers forever? By the way, this is just Starship Troopers, the show. And, and I'm, and I'm watching this and I'm like, oh, cool. The next title shows up and I'm like, oh, okay. New, a new villain. Okay. And then I'm, I can see how green the next episodes are on Hulu. I'm like, okay. And then it starts in the next three episodes of the next arc. And I was like, Perfect. Beautiful. Got it. Sweet. I'm in. You've got me. Like, finally, you're the show you were supposed to be. It was just a 16-episode prologue to that. Got it. Perfect. I'm, I'm in. Like, characters started to, like, fight. Like, it, the other thing is there's, like, so many people that need to die in those 16 episodes to hone down who the group is by episode 17. <laughs> oh, and, my God. And then, like, and then you're like, oh, okay, now people are starting to stand out because they thin the fucking herd. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty ruthless. Um, yeah, I, I, once you get to 17, it gets better. Um, and then there are some things that I know are coming. As people I know are going to die, future lore things that are going to happen. I know where things end up, basically. Um, but I'm liking how this is being told. That's what I came here for, to see if the storytelling can um, equal the intensity it's trying to permit. Uh, outside of and Outside of that, I'm enjoying it. Uh, the most irritating thing was how much people fucking monologued about shit I didn't care about. Welcome to anime. Well, <laughs> that's, well we, that's the thing. Like, the, the stories called for a lot of people to just stand around and make, like, arguments about shit. That I was just like, this dynamic is not working for me. But then when they leave and they actually start doing more physical stuff and things are, like, different setting, it makes way more sense and it works better. It's just, 
a lot of, for like 16 episodes, it's a lot of people just watching someone die and going, why did I do nothing? Oh, what is wrong with me? Ah! And then someone going, what, you okay? And they're like, no. And they're like, snap out of it. And they're like, ah! and then they die. And it's just like, oh God. All right. Can we just go? Can we keep going? And then 17 comes around and it's like, ah, I'm in. I'm totally in. Yeah. I, and But that's the thing. There's about four seasons of a show that has four different studios that made it and has a huge fan base and like it's growth. It's all about growth. I'm not going to be too hard on the first 16 episodes because e- even without those being storytelling, my, I'm sure that they're going by the manga and the manga hits that point there for a certain reason. All that stuff is there. It's just can you stick it out? And if you can, you are rewarded. Immensely. And it sounds like from the likes of Peter and, uh, and how fast he gobbled that shit up, that it really becomes more rewarding. Uh, so I'm enjoying the first season. I enjoyed the first season and I can't wait to get to the shorter second season. Yeah, I I, I, I really uh, having uh, to, to speak briefly about it, having watched it week to week since the first season. Uh, I, I will say that despite the fact that there's like literal like six years between season one and season two, <laughs> by the way, there's like uh, like season one premiered in 2013, two premiered in 2017. So like they it it so that there all right so there's like four years in between. Like the shorter season was disappointing at the time, but now that I I've kind of gotten to sit down and watch it, I'm like I appreciate having that, like, 12 episodes, and then going back into long-running stuff again. Dude, if it had been four years and the only thing you have is 12, is 12 episodes, I'd be thankful as a motherfucker. A lot were, too. <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, the next thing I watched was Mortal Kombat, and yeah. um, I really liked it. Uh, it is about as dumb as the 94 Mortal Kombat. <laughs> wow. Wow. I, ha- I have to say, here's the thing. If you want to make a Mortal Kombat movie that's good, here's the rules. You got to do three things. Well, no, if you want the perfect Mortal Kombat movie, you have to do three things. Hey, yeah, let me get my pen. You really have to do them to make a great Mortal Kombat movie. You can do two of them. But the three things are either look exactly like the game, either as it was when it first started or the way it is now, uh, which is interesting. I've seen pl- I've seen entire playthroughs of like Mortal Kombat 11 and 12 these days. Like I know where the games are now. Uh, the other thing is you are as R-rated as you need to be, and as violent and as gory as you need to be. And three is you need to throw all the money as a studio needed to make something like this look good. Just look good. Now the 94 version it throws enough money at it. It isn't rated R, but it looks exactly like the game. The second movie looks like the game has zero money and is also a honking piece of shit. The, the third movie that we got now, which isn't in the same universe, they threw the proper amount of money at it. This is a wonderful-looking Mortal Kombat movie. Um, it is as R-rated as it needs to be. And it's pretty fucking gory. It's, it's really disgusting. There are times where I was just, like, applauding at how just, like, the balls they had to do it. There's straight fatalities you never thought you'd see in a movie that they do, and they do it, and you're just like, awesome, thank you. <laughs> thank I, you. I, I, I wanted that. that. Thank you. It's awesome. <laughs> and, this um, movie was made on $55 million. <laughs> it looks great. It looks fantastic. It looks really good. 
Um, and, yeah. uh, and it does, it looks a lot like the games do now, but it doesn't look exactly like them. But I, if it goes where I think they're going to go, it may start to look exactly like those games in a way that I really would love. And it may, they make, it's by far the best one that's out there, but it's disgusting. Well, here's the thing. It's very dumb, but the moment it hits like the halfway point, like I don't want to spoil anything, but there's a point where a large group of bad guys and a large group of good guys finally meet at like the halfway point of the movie. And from that point on, it's just nothing but fights. And it's phenomenal. It's it's a, like no logic, no like anything. It's just fights and people dying and fighting to the death. And I love it. I was so happy. There's no tournament. It's just people fighting to the death. I loved it. Fantastic. I was very, uh, just, just to briefly go on it, some of the fatalities they did, I was surprised they got away with, truthfully. Like, it's not even so much that they got away with it, it's just so much no, like... They did, for that matter, yeah, yeah. Like, it's so... It, the, the fatalities in the game are so goofy, you don't think they would ever work on film. And there's particularly one or two of them that when you see, you're like, that never should work, but it does, and I'm so happy. Dude, Kato's fatality that he did was amazing. It's just, oh, Ducano in general is really great. The whole movie is amazing in that movie. <laughs> whole movie's fantastic. Oh, um, I love what I saw in that. I was very happy with everything I saw with it. And they, they did everything they needed to. They did everything that they could do. Yeah. Uh, the last thing I saw was uh, something called Gangs of London. Has anybody heard of this? Did no. it have Elijah Wood in it? Gangs of London? Are you t- are you talking about um, the soccer London movie that he did? I don't know. I saw one scene of whatever whatever movie that was, and it was just like Elijah Wood in the gang fight. You're talking about Green Street Hooligans. Elijah Wood goes to London. He gets involved with the soccer fans that are just also a gang. They made a second one. It's terrible. Oh, um, Gareth Edwards thing. It's not bad. It's not bad. Uh, the show. Um, yeah, no, it was a show. movie. It was a movie. Is it a Gangs of no. London movie? Gangs of London is a show. Okay, that's what Gangs I was asking. Gangs with Elijah Wood is a movie. Okay. So, Gangs of London. Here's the deal. Gangs of London came out last year in BBC, and it just came to America now and is being released on AMC. They just are airing the fourth episode tonight. Uh, it is about... Um, a gang leader is assassinated. We don't know who did it. And then there's a power struggle through the power vacuum that occurs and all the different gangs around London that are involved. Uh, And then there's one particular soldier in one of the gangs who starts to climb the ranks because he's a great fighter. Now, why is he being a great fighter important? Well, I'll tell you guys, this show just happens to be written and directed by the motherfucker who wrote the goddamn raid movies. Wow. That's time. Waiting for this motherfucker to come up with something, and he was supposed to do the Deathstroke movie for DC. Whoa. Not going to make a read. That that whole crew and fighting group went on to go do um, The Night Comes for Us and other movies. He needed to make something else. So this movie, this TV show, actually, 
is very good. Right off the bat, it's got pretty, pretty violent, and also it makes its statement pretty easily in the first scene. But when it comes to the fight scenes, I was watching it with my brother, and I thought he would enjoy it, and we were getting there, we were interested, but I was like, I know that there's a fight scene coming soon. You gotta do it. You have to do it at some point if you made the raid. And it comes, and the very first person the lead character attacks, he takes a glass ashtray, shoves it in his mouth, and then takes his face and smashes it into the bar. And oh. I'm like, oh, I'm in, I'm in. And then he attacks the rest of the oh. bar with a dart. With a dart, guys. Oh, oh, oh. Games of <laughs> Highly recommend. Sounds like a John Wick show. It is, because guess what? If you've seen the Raid movies and you know what they're about and you see the lead character, it's pretty obvious what you're going to get. And when I saw <laughs> I think I know what this is, and then it came and I was like, hot damn, I'm in. Thanks, Zach. You're welcome. Gangs of London. I, I, saw, I saw a bit of this, and I saw a fight scene in one of the shows, and I was like, what's this about? And then I saw who made it, and I was like, Oh, God, Firstborn, here you go. Gotta watch. Um, Peter, did you watch anything? I did. Did you watch anything? I did. I'm letting you go first. Oh, okay. Uh, okay, what, Zach, come on. We what, said we'd what? talk about it next week. Stop. I'm not talking. I'm sending it in a message. I know. Peter, go ahead. Well... As Alex spoiled, which I actually don't care about. I'm just saying that he spoiled. I watched uh, almost all of what is available of Attack on Titan in a fucking week. Um, wow. You I'm really not pulled that stuff up, man. I'm not in the sound of my voice right now. I'm not super proud of that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I did it. It just sort of happened, you know? It's just like a few days went by and I'm like, wow, I'm really close to the end already. And then Alex is like, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm on episode five. I'm like, fuck, dude, I'm on the third season. Like, holy shit. Uh, <laughs> Not watch this together. No, no. I. It was pretty early on where I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to go. I'm just going to go for it. And I went for it. <laughs> the uh the story is awesome um but yeah you you run into those i'm not going to spoil anything but you you run you run into the 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 typical anime stuff which i think at this point i'm sick of using that as an excuse to be honest i'm getting real fucking tired of it of the the, the things that most animes have in common where it's the type of storytelling, the inner monologues, the talk, not just inner monologues, but talking inside your own head and having the other person who's walking away with you respond to you, but they're also talking inside their head. It's like, you could have just made their fucking mouths move. <laughs> they're just talking to each other. Like our, that literally happened in attack on Titan. They're walking away and they're they're talking in their heads, but they're replying to each other. That I'm gonna I'm gonna critique that. 
That is a weird way to have storytelling in a show, movie, whatever it is. I don't care what the genre, the, what genre this falls into, where this was made. Like that, that's just so fucking bizarre. That's that, unless they're telepathic and that's revealed later. I don't get that. It's fucking weird. And I have those small little gripes. But besides that, and besides it taking forever to get to certain plot points, you, you do get there. And it's a refresher from watching Twin Peaks and binging Twin Peaks. Because you're left to your own shit. You got nowhere to go. <laughs> so it was automatically like, oh, so okay, this is what it's like to have these huge Jesus. plot points actually get answered all right cool and i'm getting you're getting those answers and it, and it is really nice the plot is thick after a while i've got many questions and i've got two episodes left until i'm caught up from the first part of the last season and then you have nine months to wait <laughs> yeah at nine least, months at least <laughs> what was it may june july august november right uh, winter 2022, so oh. probably sometime between December and February. Yeah, yeah. and I mean, you've already sent me a picture of whatever the fuck that was. I've so sent, that's I've sent that stuff to Chris too. <laughs> he he knows which image I sent. Yeah, so I mean that's imprinted in my head. So the 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 further I get along in this story, uh, I might start seeing that stuff. Um. Yeah. So, yeah, overall, really cool. The character development, I really enjoy because, yeah, there's a lot of killing, but the people that don't die have a reason that they're still alive. So they, not they got plot armor. <laughs> no, they got they got some interesting characters. Yeah, there's not a lot of plot armor that's happening in this show. And I was talking to my buddy the other day about this show and about other animes and how you run into those long inner monologues and you run into the plot points that take three to five fucking episodes to complete. Like, how long does it take to fill up a fucking hole? <laughs> That's what she... Chris, come on! That's what she said. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I waited, but yeah, I counted. It took three episodes for him to plug the hole. Right. That's what she said. That's what she said. <laughs> Honestly, this will be easier once we're all together because I'll give you the that's what she said look, Chris, and then you'll hit the button. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, I you better give it like five seconds at a time to give me time to get to the right page to get to hit that button. Okay. Noted. I'll, I'll remember that. Um, I, di I didn't know that there are four studios. Studio for each season. It, it does make a little sense because like the strong, bold outline on each character that we had in the first and kind of second season doesn't really show up anymore. Yeah. So There's like small, small little stuff. And I was telling, uh, I was telling Alex and Zach, uh, before we were recording just a few things that, that were pretty interesting in the fourth season, no spoilers, just how, how they approach animation and the amount of 3d rigs and animations they have in the fourth season compared to the other ones is, is smart and it's and it's utilized well and it's not a bad thing it, it was a lot like uh legend of Korra, where you have like the machines the big things the cars the the yeah just just those kind of 
man-made, human-made objects. Sorry, you know, don't want to discriminate here. Uh, <laughs> like buildings and shit. Like, yeah, it doesn't matter if it's if it's 3D. Uh, can you guys still hear me? Yes. Yeah. Okay, I just it started popping up that I have poor connection. I'm like, fuck. Great. Just when I start, of course, when I start talking, this shit happens. <laughs> fucking Christ. Uh, but, Zach, uh, don't sever his internet. Come on, get down. Oh, get down from that pole. The wire. No, don't cut the wire. Oh, it's. Uh, the, 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 no, uh, Zach, uh, get down. Get, hey, get down now. It says no, that, we're not doing this. Come on. My cut his best friends are fighting over a poor connection. Uh, <laughs> I one one thing I I noticed that I told Alex and Zach already is in the in the fourth season, uh, Aaron, the main one of the main characters is washing his face in like hair. I don't know. He's like being an emo about it. And he's he stands, emo about everything. Peter. Yeah. Like he drinks water and he's like, Ugh, water. God, I fucking hate water. I want to kill every drop of water that ever existed. He sounds like my brother. That really good scout, that, that fucking short hair brunette, really good scout. That guy's yeah. emo, but like proper. This guy's insane. Well, yeah. Yeah. Trademark. Levi, sick name. Levi, cool. Levi's emo. He, Aaron is fucking bonkers. Animes uh, always have the coolest American-ish names. Like, yeah, why the fuck isn't anyone called Levi? Like, we have pants. I have a friend named Levi. Like, we are not utilizing that name well here. <laughs> what did I do? It was how fast you were able to shut him down. <laughs> Who the fuck is named Levi? I have a friend named Levi. Fuck you! <laughs> Please don't kill him. Your friend in particular. Oh my god. Uh, <sighs> anyway, uh, Aaron's washing his face, being emo about it, and he stands up. Even when he's like hunched over, the back of his hip bones are protruding out of his body in a way that is not fucking possible. And honest to God, that is the one thing in this show up until the fourth season, whatever fucking episode that is, that I noticed like, what? And of course I'm not, you know, the most amazing artist in the entire world where I can't like that anatomy's fucking hard. But I I was surprised to see that in, in this series where his like the it was like how a malnourished person would look on the front, like their hips are jutting out, but it was like that on his back. It was so fucking weird. I don't know why that stuck in my head the most, but of course I can't say anything that'll spoil because I don't want to spoil anything. So I'm just, I'm trying to cover some, some things uh, like on the third season, there are a few episodes towards the end um, that are just gorgeous. And I, and I was really waiting for a, a palate cleanser um because the art puts on that jacket all smooth like yeah that was pretty great uh the third season though (laughs) i don't know like uh is the same thing that that happened with alex that what what you said alex earlier the you start to see more green and you start to see more wildlife after a while and and it's a palate cleanser but that stuff doesn't really change after a while. So then you need another palate cleanser <laughs> and, and you get it. And it was uh, honestly just the, um, 
this isn't spoiling anything. It was all of this stuff that takes place in the span of like, I don't know, like three episodes at towards the end of the third season is like in the morning. So you have like this, this um, morning glow to everything, but it's also muted colors. Oh, it looks so good. It looks so good. I, I, that is probably one of thus far, one of my favorite parts of the show entirely. And I'm, and I've surpassed that by many episodes now. I'm trying to remember what part of season three that was without spoiling anything. And it, it, I'm like trying to remember. Honestly, without me inner monologuing and you hearing me inner monologue, you're not going to (laughs) know unless we have connected minds and you just at some point figure it out on your own. There's no way for me to tell you without it. Alex, I'm connected to his mind now, which I don't know if I like that. Oh, I've been masturbating in my head for a long time, dude. Sorry. Is that what that sound is? Yeah, dude, it was disgusting. Oh, God. What do you use? I don't want to know, actually. Maybe it's best we don't do this in the same room. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking wind up killing each other. Uh, you know what's going to happen is I'm going to set up a plant in the corner of the room, and I'm going to label it the tree, and I'm just going to sit back there in a chair. <laughs> Why are you guys in the room? <laughs> Make this lore fucking count. Oh my god. Yeah, this this show the show is awesome. And despite the the shit that you get in almost every goddamn anime, which is just disappointing, honestly. I don't know if it, I I doubt it's a culture thing because it's it's fucking weird. And people talking in their heads and responding to that other person that also in their head it those things are weird you, you don't you don't get the the upskirts of little girls or anything which is amazing I, I, great I can't, anything, I can't say anything about the uh, the upskirts i do love the fact that most people wear pants in this show but uh, I, I, I that is a welcome thing when it comes to that but i i do think when it comes to people inner monologuing it is a it's just a it, there's a Things that carried over from the Speed Racer years, where literally these companies just cheat and cut corners and didn't do all, yeah. the- and that carried on as like the way that the it's part of the style now. It's tradition now. It, it's it's very weird to me because you don't see that in a lot of other cultures where cutting the corners became part of the method. And in that process, I will say that I do like the. I do like the fact that this is a show that when someone dies and you don't know who that person it is, it does take time to mourn the death through somebody else witnessing it and going, yeah. God, that was awful. But like there's there are times where you do that too much and it becomes a problem and you like it, you need that to stretch a story. Like the very fact that Aaron, the first time he does something crazy in the first season, the military police are freaked out about it. So it takes three episodes for him and his friends to just get past that standoff. And a lot of it is like his friend just being like, uh, they did this. They're pointing their guns. That guy's chewing gum. And it's just uh, that gets really bad. But when they're riding horses and they're trying to kill a Titan and they have to get some exposition across to how we got to this point, then it's perfect. Yeah, it it works then as storytelling. Yeah, but besides that, it doesn't fucking make sense. It's and, a it's the balance that I think this yeah. show can sometimes Perfect nail and balance. sometimes off, and yeah. The 
other show that I've seen, it's been a while, that is so fucking bad. And I am ashamed to say that. But My Hero Academia, I loved the show at the start. I kept watching. I kept watching. The fact that no one dies and there are a bunch of superheroes fighting horrible villains that are just straight up terrorists and they still don't die is a fucking low blow and just it's just stupid. Oh, but Peter, fact... I'm so sorry that you you haven't gotten to the most recent seasons then. No, I, I don't. I honestly don't give a shit if it's changed. I don't give a shit. I, I lost interest. I just lost interest because that way about Marvel. They 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 stretched out each episode to the point where it makes Attack on Titans inner monologues nothing. Literally nothing. It would it would be an entire episode of an inner monologue of one guy who's gonna fight a bad guy. And then the next episode is the bad guy's inner monologue and his entire life story. And then the third episode in that in that sequence, they have a two-minute fight. None of them die. One guy just gets knocked out, or girl, whatever they fucking go by. There's a frog chick in there, so I don't know what fucking gender. But it's it's so bad. It's just so bad. I don't care if it's tradition. This is just shitty storytelling on any front. Horrible storytelling. You don't do that. Um, yeah, bad. But uh, yeah, I can't say much else about Attack on Titan because I don't I don't want to spoil anything, but. It gets it gets good, and there there are a lot of palate cleansers where it's it might not even be about the main crew for some episodes. You know, like it it goes off and explores other people's stories that are that are that you get immersed in, and then it's just visual uh, palate cleansers too, like like that the the uh, the part that I was talking about well, earlier. What I like, actually really love about every season of attack on Titan is that each season from a visual standpoint does look distinctly different. Like from a, from a background perspective, like the se- like season one is, is very predominantly in the wall. Season two is much more predominantly out in the field. And then season three has its own and season four even has its own there. And, and Peter, obviously you being as far as you are being two episodes to the end of where everyone else is, could probably to attest this that each season even from a like location they're in just feels different and a palate cleanser every season yeah you you really get immersed in the world itself and just trying to understand where this place is that connects to this place and the distance it takes to get from point a to point b because there's you're on horseback and you can kind of judge, like, okay, it's it's don't have the Westeros travel system. <laughs> the, huh? They clearly don't have the Westeros travel system where they go from one place in one episode to another place in another episode. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what I was saying was the the point A to point B. You can judge the distance on the horseback because if it's the next episode and they're still on horseback and it's still day and they haven't said that a day has passed. You're like, wow, it only took a day to get from this place to this place. And it's, it is really jarring. Yeah. Really jarring. I'll leave it at that. How, how close these people are to, to some places. It's, it's wild. Yeah. I'm, I'm just very excited specifically for Alex to get to the back end, the back half seasons, because there are so much, some of them are just so much fun. They're, 
there are characters that are just so interesting and so dynamically different. And then they start kind of revealing a lot of the plot and it, it really, really contextualizes everything. And and then even the stuff that you guys haven't seen that's in the manga that I know about even does that even further, which is awesome. When was the first uh, dubbed season? When did that come out? Was it 2017? No, I think it was 2013. Again, there was like six years between everything. Um, I think it was 2013. Okay. I'm going to check for my own sanity just to make sure, but I watched it from sub. Uh, 2014. 2014 was the first dub episode release. What was the second season dub? Uh, 17. Okay. So three years I started, ago. yeah, I started the series in 2017 and I stopped when, you know, the, the episode stopped. So... I've been watching it for a while, and I and I yeah. did know about a lot of these plot points up until I did. And, and what really, I think the thing for fans that I think was always so painful for them was that they never announced that the show was canceled, especially between season one and season two, was they never said the show was canceled, and they said they were working on it, and that working on it turned into four years. And then we got season two, which was, you know, 12 episodes long, and then they're like, okay, it's going to come out like, a year and a half later and then they're like oh god and then now again they did another kind of year and a half jump from season three to where we are now which season four has been going on since the start of the year and now we're gonna have i think a nine month wait for the next half of the season brutal chris you don't have to do any of this shit nine ten what chris doesn't have to do any of this shit no chris you're gonna be the luckiest of us all because you're not gonna have to wait you're just gonna get to watch it from beginning to end no no, straight no straight i was gonna do this even if i wasn't a part of the the podcast and i and i we weren't talking about it i've been waiting to watch to binge this series to actually be able to binge it and i don't care that it's not over yet i'm just so happy that i that i can binge all of these episodes that i've been yeah. waiting for for fucking years i stopped watching it in 2017 i've just been slowly waiting for the grass to grow and it's finally growing it's finally uh, growing to the point where like now you only have to wait like nine ten months for the last chunk of episodes yeah, it's fucking pocket change man pocket yeah, it's change. great it, yeah in context it's it's really a pocket change and like i think chris is gonna get the best benefit of all of us because me alex and peter are gonna have to wait like months and months and months for this and then chris is just gonna be like oh it's all over yeah i'll just go watch it all and binge it all in a week or two and be done <laughs> i i'm personally a fan of getting to the very end of the home stretch the first yeah. time i ever did it accidentally i was stuck in a i think my brother's apartment during a blizzard while he was gone and i had all the seasons of lost except the last one which hadn't aired yet so yeah. i got to watch all five seasons in like a week and then after that, I just went on the internet, and for a few months, I got to theorize with everyone else and join the conversation. And all the shit that people have been gobbling up for years, I got to just stand on the shoulders of. And then it came out, and it was fun. And I like the fact that I get to do that here, too. I like the fact that I can get to get uh, close to the finish line as possible, then get to gobble up all of the fancy, fan theories in production uh, that has gone through with that watching people be wrong and who was wrong the most and who yeah. was right the most and who was wrong the most interesting who was right the most interesting yeah. ways and, and ending here and then right before it comes out i'm so excited to be a part of that conversation for at least a little bit to i'm be honest, like pretty ha- sorry 
Uh, I'm actually pretty happy, especially uh, with the online community, is that they've been very much like if you've read the manga and you're finished with the whole series manga wise, like do not spoil it for people who've only watched the anime, don't know what's going on in the manga. Let them have this experience because it's really, really, really important that they get to have it as as blank as they possibly can, because it is just that interesting and that crazy and that fun. Yeah, that's that's what I was uh, I was gonna say is I'm a little bit I have a little bit of the same opinion of what Alex was saying, but I'm I'm truly scared. I'm scared to even YouTube search Attack on Titan season four theory, and I don't think I'm gonna because I don't want to even have the fucking chance to get that shit spoiled from me. The only the only risk I have right now. The only outlet of a risk that I have is you, Zach, because you've read it and you've already sent me an image that's completely out of context, but you still sent me an image. And, and I'm going to leave it at that. I'm yeah, no, please don't ever do that. Yeah, I'm I'm not going to tell you anything. I feel really bad for Alex because the week it the final chapter came out, he got spoiled on chunks in the final chapter. And there's stuff in that that like. I'm sad by and I and I stripped told I said, dude, I am so sorry you had to do that because like I wanted you to experience that. And like I have people whom if I want to talk about the manga with, I can do that, which is nice because I know people other people who have read the manga and I've had those conversations with. And you guys having only watched the anime and are getting to experience it, I want you guys to like experience that and have so much fun. It's it's always so much fun to talk to you, Peter, since you're closest caught up in the anime. So there's like specific things I could talk about with you about certain characters that just was like dude xyz like i'm i'm like happy to be able to do that and i'm really excited to start seeing your week to weeks on the next chunk of episodes because they're gonna be fun yeah i know the the next the next one episode 15 in dub is airs tonight in yep. 30 minutes so i'll be gone no i'm just kidding uh <laughs> i'm tempted no i'm just kidding am i though am i wait the what one thing that that I already said, it's not entirely your fault, Zach. I yeah. don't want someone listening to this to make it, to be out of so out of context where it just seems like you're out front spoiling shit from me. Yeah. But I I dwell on that on the shit that happens in the series to the point where I am going and having like five different fucking timelines where I'm like, okay. If this person says this in this next episode, this is what might happen. And if it doesn't, yeah. this is what might happen. If that doesn't, this is what might happen. If these two things actually happen, this is what this happens. So when when an image is given to me yeah. where it's I, – I don't even want to say it. But, yeah. like, I, I can start putting shit together and having, like, multiple different theories going, which is cool to have theories, but also – there's two theories there that might come true. And I'm like, ah, mm. so that's when it's like, even you saying, I told you so Alex in the chat, like a cut, like a day ago, I'm like, fuck. Cause yeah. I start, I just start thinking about it so much. Yeah. It, I'm going to be honest. Like one, once you and Alex are like fully caught up on everything, I'm like, Probably gonna stop talking about Attack on Titan for a long chunk of time. 
and, I will say I, I will say that Zach does have a history with this. We have talked about it before, but I will give Zach a little bit of the benefit of the doubt on the picture of that involves the end because he's been using that as a selling point with Chris for a while now. Any other pictures? Yes, he has. That, I cannot art. I cannot defend against. But outside of that, yeah, Zach. Sometimes you kind of are a little bit more spoiler than the most of us. Yes. But, but you, you also haven't gotten to where I've gotten to, Alex, where that picture starts to make a little more sense. I, I to be honest, I know things that you don't know still. I, I it's a little I'm coming from a completely different perspective. <laughs> I, I don't count. Chris, uh, Alex got himself spoiled on big things. So it's not Alex, just, well. Th- let me put it this way: th- the very last image of the very first season is so well done, and I wish it had the impact that it would have had on me had I not known that. Not to know, not to mention half the things I knew before that Twitter event happened. I know everything up pretty much in a lot of things that I haven't spoken about, and I've been very coy about it for a very good reason but i think yeah, alex think i think exactly. you told me a chunk of what you know though right i'm sorry one at a time guys one at a time please uh alex i think you told me a, a very large chunk of what you know you still uh, don't know things that i don't that i know and i'm still being very careful with that yeah. and i've been and trying not to tempt you because then the next thing you know, you're like, oh, well, then let's talk about that a little bit. And then you might let something else go because you don't know. If I yeah. make you think I don't know a lot, then you're not going to say a lot. And that's, that's how I'm going to approach it. But I'll be honest, guys, I know probably more than 50% of the overall narrative. And it's I'm I'm here for the journey, which is why those 16 episodes were kind of rough for me. Because I was like, I'm here for the ride. And the ride's not grabbing me yet. Then 17 happened, and I'm like, great. We're in. I'm seeing yeah. the, propulsive, the propulsive narrative coming now. So, yeah, I, I do. I, I'm hard. I'm a hard judge when it comes to defending Zach on some of these. But Zach is also approaching this from having seen everything. You seeing almost everything, Peter, and him seeing and him reading the manga, and me being scatterbrained all over watching YouTube clips over the years of characters dying because it's <laughs> awesome. So I'm all over the place. Wait, but yeah, the, the image that I did show you here was what I was trying to get to sell Chris on, like being like, this is something you do want to see. That one image, yes, has been the thing you've been using this whole time. If you show yeah, any more. Like he's been holding a clock. He's been getting me on a couch. He's been swaying a clock back and forth. It's like, you want to watch this. Well, you do want to watch You it. want to watch this. I think you, you will do want to watch this. I just neon Genesis Evangelion route that I'm seeing happening in this first season. Yeah, I think you're going to enjoy a lot of what this is uh, if it keeps going this route. But um, there are things about it that, yeah, you might have to, when you're done, go watch um, some Parks and Rec on the side. Or some space dandy, man. Because, yeah, a, a lot of chunks at once if you're not binging it all at once can be a lot. And that's the thing. I'm different than Peter. He luckily got to watch this in a few days in a row. This is a potato chip show. It really is. But it, uh, they're just, it, they took a while to get off their feet and I yeah. to see how they pull some of this shit off. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> it's, it's something dude. Um, I honestly, like the most recent anime that I've suggested both Peter and Alex, I'm just excited for both of you to finally get to watch, which is the fate franchise. 
Um, I watch you, Alex. I think you're gonna like Fate Zero, despite me initially thinking yeah. you would like it. I I think you're gonna you're gonna get into that. It, it uh, if it if for nothing else for the visuals and the fights. <laughs> it sounds super fun. It's so crazy sounding, but it's so cool. Well, besides uh, Attack on Titan, I I remembered that I what I had forgotten the previous week what I watched. I don't know if that still counts. It's pretty brief. Yay! Okay, uh, I watched. I decided to to watch Blade Runner again. Just I just I I love it. I I love that whole universe. Wow. Um. So I want. Of course, I watched the the director's cut, <laughs> and then I. Was it the next day I watched Blade Runner 2049? Um, and I had seen Blade Runner 29. Ah, <laughs> oh, fuck. I think I'd seen it three or four times in the theater. I couldn't, wow. I, I just could not get enough of it. I, the, the visuals alone were just fucking beautiful. Oh my God. I am a lover of cinematography, and that, that stuff is just eye candy every fucking scene every frame is just so cool uh but the story itself is amazing and i felt like got i got kicked in the face the first time i watched that movie i'm like fuck fuck i felt the exact way that um agent k or (laughs) not from men in black but uh he also went by john how john felt in that movie when he learned the first, I, Chris, have you seen Blade Runner twenty forty nine? I did. I have. Yes. Okay. Everyone here has seen it, right? Yes. Okay. Yep. I just want to make sure. Where it's just you know, it's it's the art of lying, lying to the main character and also lying to the audience, and you and they did it so right, where you felt so let down in that moment without them straight up just like saying it like oh no it's not you like it it takes multiple scenes for you to start to realize what's happening because the story was never about um it wasn't truly about cheating you into the into uh how you thought the story was going that's just one of the things that happened so it's not going to be this grand thing where it's like it wasn't you the whole time. It was a slow letdown. Like you're breaking up with someone or more. No, actually they're breaking up with you, but it takes them a week to do it. They're just slowly letting you down and it hurts more because of that. It's yep. not this, it's not yeah. this immediate rip the bandaid off, rip the duct tape off of your fucking head. Like you're like, ah, and then after five minutes, you're like, okay, it's, it's, it's a little better. It's like taking off one piece of duct tape on your head every day for a week. It's just slow. It's a slow burn and it's so fucking good. And I actually, I like that. I like Blade Runner 2049 more than I do the original Blade Runner. And I, we wouldn't have gotten Blade Runner 20, 2049 if it weren't for the first one, of course. It laid that the groundwork down. Have a lot of shit. Yeah, but the 
the original one, Blade, the Blade, just the Blade Runner movie alone has amazing amazing visuals and i am a lover of practical effects and miniatures which we will get to during the dark crystal talk but god it's so it's so good it's such an amazing feat that movie with the buildings and the lighting and how they the the minute the amount of miniatures they made for that movie is jaw-dropping but one one scene that stood out to me was the uh, sex scene or the lead up, because we don't really ha- see them have sex. Uh, oh, the rapiness of it. What? The rapiness of it. Yeah, I really didn't, really didn't notice that until this rec- most recent watch, where I'm like, this isn't even. There isn't like another meaning to this where you could say oh no rachel rachel you know like she really wants to kiss him there's nothing in there where it like she tries to run away he pins her up against the wall and then he he just tells her what he wants to hear from her and tells her to say those things yep and it was really fucking weird and the fact that they have a child and they love each other and there's like this giant you know story about how how she died and all these things and I'm, and I'm and I get it but when I look back at that movie from Blade Runner 2049 it's hard to buy it's a hard sell for me just um, because I, of that ra- just because of that rapiness yeah i mean if if you put it completely out of context and you just have a person they're maybe somewhat interested in one another. There's no doubt about that. But then the guy just straight up rapes the girl and then they, they get married. You're not going to question that. You're not going to question. Well, it's not that it's not going to question that. I think the movie does make it clear by the end that he is risking everything and running away to be with her, which makes all the events in the sequel, I think matter a little bit more. I can't sit here and make an argument that, the late seventies and, and mid and early to mid eighties, right? Sex scenes were not basically that. Were like, but, but, I mean, we got to thank Sean Connery and the Bond movies for that one, guys. Where he would just grab every girl by the arm and he'd be like, "I'm gonna kiss you," and she'd be like, "No," and he'd be like, "Yes," and she'd be like, "No," and he'd be like, "That means yes," and then he'd kiss him, and like that. That was the standard for a long ass time. Can't yeah. say that that's the way it should be, but that is kind of what you have to no, see. No, no, I, from, I hear you. But like the the interesting thing about that moment is that it was made by Ridley Scott. Ridley Scott would not put that in there for no reason. He doesn't put that in there just because he wants a little rapey vibe scene in his movies. And you, <laughs> you certainly notice when he does a scene like that the other way around in The Counselor, where Cameron Diaz completely scares Javier Bardem by just putting her vagina up against the windshield in a way that makes him feel like it's an octopus beak. Like, he knows how to use sex as power. <sighs> I think that's what is going on here. I think it's a, a couple of things. A... Harrison Ford is trying to treat her like a thing because he doesn't want to admit that he his feelings for her. But also he doesn't want to admit the feelings about himself, which internally you have to ask yourself, do you think he's a replicant or not? Which Ridley Scott has been back and forth for years until he officially settled on that unicorn shot. So I 
I think when I see that scene, I see him trying to scare her off the way that like De Niro does his date in Taxi Driver when he takes her to a porno thing. He knows what he's doing is self-destructive. I think he's treating her like a thing and trying to view her like a thing, but ultimately still cannot do that by the end of the movie. Is that easily displayed in the movie? Not really. You can also argue that Ridley Scott's one of the most kind of like cold directors, distant directors that are out there, that a scene like that may be viewed a different way from him. But I don't think that the movie says at the very end that he, that's the way he's going to continue to treat her. Um, that's but that's yeah, true, that but he also up. did it. He also did it. If I was in yeah. a relationship or starting a relationship and my partner straight up raped me, even though I had feelings for them. Again, he doesn't see her as a person. He sees her as a thing, as a pleasure model. And that's literally what her job was. God, but, but the way you set that up was that he was going through turmoil and he wanted to protect her and treat her like an object. So she wouldn't get like, there's all these things going on, but it, you, there's other ways to mistreat someone. That's not that, intense and no, traumatic okay. I'm, I'm, I'm one of the first people to sit here and say that rape in movies is overused i agree it's it, like this is basically every western that went to where a cowboy went into the room and was like uh walked to a woman and she's like but i I'm, I'm a woman and he's like you're a whore and then he shuts the door and treats her like a whore that's it you are a thing you are property you are owned by the saloon this is not something new I agree. It's overused. It's not important. But I do think that there is I, – I trust that Ridley Scott has a reason. Whether I agree with that reason or think it holds up or should be in the film, no. But it is there. Do I think that, that it is enough for me to think that they could never, ever love each other in the future? No. It's based off film noirs, and film noirs are almost all based off misogynistic behavior. So <laughs> you can't – you got to have – it's not it's – not, I'm not giving it an okay, but there are caveats you have to give. And this is coming from someone who watches a lot of old movies who just didn't give a fuck about a lot. Of no, I, I totally understand. I, I see, I see all of your points. I, I, I just don't think, totally I don't think it. imply that he doesn't love her or later or would want to do that to her again later, especially when he himself realizes that he is a thing too. Did I know Ridley Scott was back and forth about it. And in the movie, he, all he says is, I know, I know what's real. His, his friend indicating that he knows he's having unicorn dreams is the indication that to Harrison. Oh, I see what you're saying. That's what you meant by the, the unicorn scene. Okay. 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 That was for the director's cut. Ridley Scott put that in and he established if he's having unicorn dreams and his friend knows about it without him telling it, that means that the dreams are put inside his head like all other replicants and that he is basically, that's what Ridley Scott has applied over the years that that's what he's trying to say. In in 2049 though, they still lean on the fact that it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like either right. he's exactly. having sex with a replicant or replicants effectively made a child for the first time. It doesn't matter. It's not about Ryan Gosling. So <laughs> it's about... <laughs> bigger than yeah. him that's the uh, whole point of the movie like everyone involves in life and sometimes things are bigger than them yeah right anyway that's just one scene in a movie that came out 
decades ago that you know yeah so besides that fantastic i fucking love i love those movies i love them so so much just the story alone but also the the visuals i i don't see many movies where i go back in the theater more than two times just to see it again that doesn't happen that very often for me and i'm tempted to go back to the episodes that i was talking about for attack on titan just because they look so good they look so good oh and it's great because they last multiple episodes so it's like hey win-win it's a mini movie it's true uh, that's it i'll shut up all right my turn my turn <laughs> what'd you watch chris um it's something that i've been that i've watched on the show before hold on it's uh something that i've watched on the show before um well, it's a book? show called uh dark side of the ring produced by vice um that's right. That's right. The doc- I've never, it's a, yeah, it's a documentary of- series about like professional wrestling and like oh. really bad, like, like from like crazy to like pretty tragic stories about pro wrestling. Damn. Um, so crazy. That's Benoit. Oh yes. Yeah. Hold, hold on, the, Zach. I swear to God. Sorry. Um, crazy. In this, they, they did an episode on it. Uh, Wait, so weekend, this is a like, no, they did it. They did uh, no. This is a, it's like hour long documentaries. Oh, um, okay, okay. And uh, there was they did an uh, they did an episode on uh, the brawl for all, which okay, so wrestling writer Vince Russo. The guy who takes ownership for the invention of the Attitude Era. If you guys are familiar with that, you're not. We've, we've Alex. talked about him heavily, yeah. Um, so, basically what it is was Vince Rousseau didn't like one guy in the locker room. Because th- apparently this guy was bragging about how tough he was. So he's like, okay, you think you're, you think you're tough? I'm going to throw 16 professional wrestlers in a tournament where they box for real. <laughs> they aired the entire tournament. And oh, like wow. people got hurt, careers were destroyed. <laughs> um <laughs> Like literally one guy Got injured and it costed the company five million dollars. Oh my god! Oh my god! The one guy that management was super high on, like super high on, like they were expecting him to come out of the tournament on top. But like Ooh. one guy, Bart Gunn, who won the whole thing, was like, "It's it's a sh- it's 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 a re- it's a real fight. I got I got to win. I guess." So the guy that management was high on torn hamstring um, and oh. 
like I think a concussion and he was never he was he was never the same um so yeah that one injury alone cost the uh the company five million dollars um all like 16 guys some people backed out because of their reputations because Dan <laughs> Severn was in the tournament and he's a, like a a UFC legend Smart. um and Swallow yeah, your it was pride. Just, it's um it was just so crazy uh to hear about that story um and then it's tragic like they talked about the death of Owen Hart and for those who don't know um Owen Hart brother of Brett the Hitman Hart um he was in he wrestled for WWF who is now WWE um he uh his gimmick was the blue blazer and what he would do for an entrance is he would descend from the very top of the arena. Um, and so on a what? pay-per-view, they decided to go, okay. So leading up to the pay-per-view, they had like professional, like riggers, okay. people who would like, who descend people in like Hollywood and whatnot. Um, that night on a pay-per-view called over the edge in Kansas city. Um, they decided to cut costs and they got one little like no. tiny mechanism, this hook that's meant for parasailing six pounds of pressure. And the thing will like unhinge. No, the guy falls over a hundred feet into the ring and dies. Oh my oh, God. Fell, In the middle of the pay-per-view. He fell on the pole. Oh, he fell on the ropes. Then onto the, yeah, close to the pole. I don't think, Oh, you pretty much fell on the pole. You pretty I, much I, fell I on was, the pole. I was, watch, video? I was watching the event that night. This is when I liked wrestling. This is when I was watching WWF. And yeah, I remember that night they didn't show it. And then the next day they were like, um, oh, God, it was the worst. So, um, so there's no recording of this. You can't no, go and find no, it. No, absolutely not. There is no. nothing. Oh, my God. Only people's accounts. And apparently... On the way down, he yelled, look out. Oh. Like, so, he, like, like he, that was a scripted thing? No. Like, no, he knew he was falling. He fell he like, for right. real. Did he get impaled? Is no. that what you're saying? No, he hit something very hard. Okay. Somehow he did not, like, balloon apart. So he hit a pole. Gosh. You know the poles that are on the four corner of the rings? Yeah. yeah. He oh, fell on Shit. He basically so, fell because he was supposed to the wire was supposed to land for him to stand on the pole and then right. jump off once he disconnected. And right, that was right. his point. He basically fell pretty much on the pole and then died. Oh bleeding. Was... The most horrifying thing to me, he didn't die on impact. No. Um no. he oh died my... on the way to the hospital. But oh here's the here's a truly sick thing. The show went on. Oh, yeah. 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 We didn't know until the next day. No, they knew. No, people at home on television, they knew because the announcers like said that he had died. I didn't know. I'll tell you that much. Um, I was in in, like early high school. So like and uh, Jim Ross, the guy who made the call, um, the guy who um, 
was the announcer. Like he's legend. Um, yeah, he, the st- yeah. The story he gave was he would get updates from the the production uh, guy, and like he was like, "I'm asking," like he's asking for updates, and like, uh-huh. and so like the director comes in and is like, "Hey, did anybody did anybody tell you?" He's like, "No, I need updates," and like, and then the the director's like, "He's dead." And you're live in 10, 9, 8. Oh, my God. He had 10 seconds to process the death of a wrestler that happened right in front of him. Um, and he do. And it's this whole story of how his wife sued the company. And, like, the Hart family was so loyal to Vince that they tried to sabotage her in every way. Um, and she was pretty much forced to take an $18 million settlement. She wanted to go to trial and never did. Oh my God. Like it's a very tragic story. Oh my God. He's a horrible person. Awful. Um, That is so horrible. It is. Um, That's not a movie. Yeah. Then there's the tragedy of Chris Benoit, the um, the last of the Von- like. There's the uh, the Mon- They did an episode on the Montreal Screw Job. That's like the most talked about thing, uh, the pivot point in wrestling, um, from the old generation to the new. Um, and like, it's just a great documentary series. Like, oh yeah, the life and crimes of New Jack. Oh, that was that was insane about learning about this uh, this wrestler who. If like rubbed even the slightest of like even slightly the wrong way would stab a person. Oh, in the ring, the in the fuck? middle of a match. How did he? How does he get a knife? I I don't know because like it's wrestling. <laughs> They're giving forks like whatever. Um, Dude. So yeah, they um, it's just a great documentary series. I uh, highly recommend it, even if you're not into wrestling. Like it's still a fascinating like series oh, it is. to dive into because I'm not into wrestling and all of what you're saying to me is I'm crazy. They are um they're coming out with a new season May fifth I believe and um they're gonna talk about um Collision in Korea where they held a professional wrestling event in fun in front of like 190 thousand people in North Korea. In the middle of the Kim Jong Il regime, I think it was. I'm not surprised. Um, Isn't it the Brian? I'm looking at now. It says the first episode is based on Brian Pillman. That's season three, yeah. Yeah. Brian Pillman with a gun. Yeah, it's a, it's a. That was a that was a thing. Um, I'm sorry, a gun. Yeah. So somebody pulled a gun. So like Brian Pillman is the guy who pulled a gun on live television. It oh was like God. a really controversial thing. It was a fake gun. It was scripted, but uh, it was oh. so shocking at the time. Oh, okay. I was like, that's some Joker shit. Pulls out a gun and shoots a guy <laughs> on television. It was, uh, it was crazy. Um, Wrestle with this Batman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but like, but yeah, like Peter, if you're interested, I'd start with like maybe. The episode on the Montreal screw job, like that's probably the, the up to this day the most like talked about event in pro wrestling. 
like the mo- that most talked about moment. And like, like, no, like, it's been talked about like it's like almost all the time. Like, and I can't really do it justice other than it's a more of a reinforcement of how terrible of a person Vince McMahon is. Um, but that's more muddier than Owen Hart, where he just straight up like a man died. Okay, I just got to keep the show. I'm just gonna keep the show going. Like he was at that point he was put into a rock and a hard place and kind of made a really terrible decision but uh canceled the event owen hart owen hart highlights how wrestlers under vince mcmahon's rule are just as interchangeable and as treated just as easily and as callously as fucking light bulbs he doesn't give a shit he doesn't care about these people he cares about his business and that's it yep holds true to this day um, so yeah, I highly recommend Dark Side of the Ring. It's like just an interesting, like um this is a, just as an interesting like documentary series. So like Peter, if you are interested at all or Alex or whatever, like either the Montreal screw job or the life and crimes of New Jack. That's like a, between I, those two. I episodes. keep hearing I, I want you to say of Grindelwald at the end. <laughs> <laughs> but but you, you keep saying something else. Saddest two minutes I've ever seen. <laughs> Let, um, let's just say I'm not surprised that Donald Trump chose Vince McMahon to be his his person of point on the economy for the COVID. I thought it was Linda. Nope, it was Vince McMahon. Anyway, all right. Um, Dark Crystal, huh? Yeah. So who's going to talk about to, Jim Henson? Were you supposed to watch that? I, yeah, we were. I, I don't know I'm going to talk movie. about the man, the myth, <sighs> legend. Yeah, sorry, Zach, Peter. Uh, Zach, why don't you go ahead? Because I might have to hit mute here in a little bit. So you go first. Talk, okay. about, talk about him, and then I'll talk about Dark Crystal. Okay, Chris. So to, to paint the picture for you, Jim Henson was born in 1936. Uh, he basically was just kind of a dude for the most of his life. He did, did a bunch of stuff. And then, um, in high school, he started working for his local television, uh, station, uh, WTOP TV, uh, creating puppets for a Saturday morning cartoon, uh, called junior morning show. Uh, he did that basically all throughout high school until he ended up, uh, ending up at college at the University of Maryland College Park, where he got hired as at that local network to create a show known as Sam and Friends. So Sam and Friends was basically the first iteration of the Muppets that you, you could call it um, there. They were five minute segments that he did while in college. There's like three episodes, three or four or five episodes available, period. That you're that were broadcast and, and presented. This was in like the 50s, like very early era of television. And um and about halfway through uh his run on this, he met who would eventually be his wife, uh Jade Devil. And they worked on Sam and Friends, uh basically from 1954 to 1961. And what's really important about Sam and Friends, Chris is that this is the first time Jim Henson ever did anything with Kermit the Frog. He made Kermit the Frog for Sam and Friends. 
So, uh, and he basically was using this as a basis to kind of experiment with puppetry. He, uh, he just kind of, you know, did it a bunch. He really enjoyed it. He liked it. He was making a lot of stuff. The show is really freaking dark. Like, people are smoking and brutally murdering people on this, which is kind of hilarious. Um, and he eventually, um, got put on, um, a time slot where he was premiered right before The Tonight Show. So, so Chris, do you know what The Tonight Show is? With... Like, like, well, it's not with anybody. The Tonight Show is just, it, it's, it's a, it's a talk show, basically. It's, it's, I I know what The Tonight Show is. I'm just asking you what iteration. Like, like The Tonight Show, the, the original Tonight Show. Uh, Johnny Carson. Was it Johnny Carson? Thank you. Was it Johnny Carson? Alex? Yes, Johnny Carson was the Tonight Show host all the way up to the early 90s, and then it became Jay Leno. Okay. So um, so they did that for years and years and years. Eventually, uh, the show canceled it, and then they brought it back because a bunch of people complained. <laughs> Yay! Snyder Cut stuff happening in the 1950s with Sam and Friends and Jim Henson. You hear it here now, boys. Um, but uh, yeah, so they did it, and eventually, uh, they just just they things got really inconsistent. They chose not to do it anymore. And then, um, inevitably, if I remember correctly, the Tonight Show invited Henson and his wife to come onto the Tonight Show and start to do Sam and Friends stuff. And this was the first time Jim Henson really took national stage. Um, and I don't remember, Alex, how long did he end up doing stuff on the Tonight Show? Um, he, like, he would do. So he would do stuff on the Tonight Show for at least another five to ten years before yeah. he would establish what would eventually be the Muppet Show. Yeah. So, so he he basically did that on and off, honing his craft, uh, bringing on more people, forming Muppets Inc., marrying his wife, having a few kids, uh, stuff like that, and then eventually he made the Muppet Show, which was his first major uh, show where he got to bring all his wacky characters together and start doing his creative work. And I mean that show blew up like like it was the biggest thing since sliced bread. Um, so much so that he was asked by um, I don't rem- uh, by PBS to make uh, the to make Sesame Street, and uh, as basically a much more kid friendly version of the Muppets because the Muppets was not exactly fully. It kid- was actually the other way around. He made Sesame Street before Muppet Show. Was he? Was it? Okay. Was, yeah, actually, uh, because the, the, he he made Sesame Street through Sam and Friends, and then when the Muppet Show came along, he was super excited because he didn't want to be known as the guy who just made yeah, turned yeah. TV puppets for kids. He wanted to do the Muppet Show for himself. Okay. The, the problem with the sixties, like he, he was doing a lot of different things, and and stuff was happening like within four or five years, and I just didn't remember the exact order everything went in. Um. So, yeah, so after that, he kind of went on for a while. Uh, both shows blew up immensely. He ended up making uh, the Muppets movie and Great Muppet Caper, and they did Rainbow Connection. And eventually he met this guy called, uh, Chris, I think you know who he is, called Frank Oz. <laughs> Never heard of him. Never yeah. Heard of him. Best friends. Yeah. Gay lovers, actually. Something like that, yeah. Um, 
and they did a bunch of work on everything. I mean, Henson at this point was kind of known as like the dude bring on nobodies and turn them into stars, basically, overnight because of the Muppet Show. Uh, and this happened so successfully that Frank Oz got asked to play probably what many would call his most iconic role, which is Yoda. Uh, basically, Frank Oz became Yoda because Jim Henson was a, was freaking awesome at his job. <laughs> um, and inevitably, this led to um, him creating a show. I believe uh, Fraggle Rock came before Dark Crystal, right? Or did it come after Alex? Uh, before. Okay, so he made the well, show. Actually, they were made at the same time, pretty much. Yeah. Okay. So, so right around um, the uh, the 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 late seventies, uh, and early eighties, uh, Jim Henson started to kind of get this itch that he really wanted to make something that was much separated from the Muppets and from Sesame Street and from everything else, and that's when he started working on the Dark Crystal. Um. He and I believe uh, who was the writer who he worked with? Uh, oh yeah, Brian Froud. That's it. Who it is? Um, he's not the writer. Well, he's the conceptual artist of the world, right? Yes. Yeah. Um. So him and Brian Froud ended up coming together to create. Basically, I I, I guess he kind of just wanted it to be this crazy thing that was like super separate, super dark, and really itch Jim Henson's like artist uh itch like he had this really bad artist itch where he's like i've been doing this for like 40 years now or no no, not 40 years like 20 years i want to do something really cool really big really interesting and that was the dark crystal and it was a smash fucking hit like it i mean it it was incredible and that led him to eventually um make uh work up with stuff to make like Muppets Manhattan and then later down the line he uh again he wanted to itch that thing he made a movie called Labyrinth um and Labyrinth was a uh absolute failure despite being really interesting and really fun and in in and to this day it's much more of a cult classic than it is uh a great thing uh, inevitably, he ended up making um, the show called Fraggle Rock, which was basic. Like, I, how would you describe Fraggle Rock these days, Alex? Like, it it wasn't really adult, but it it was also like kids to to. It, it really dealt with like like very real themes, though. It was a children's show that taught them empathy. Yeah, um, that's it. It's a very hippie show. Yeah. Um, and he also made Muppets Babies, but I think like the the show, the two shows I think like at the very end he was most known for was a storyteller, which is a mythology and folktale origin show, and the Jim Henson Hour, which was basically just crazy, risky Muppets madness, which was amazing. Um and um, I think right after that, like Disney bought out the Muppets and a bunch of crazy stuff happened and and he got really, really depressed and then he got sick and then he he died. <laughs> like, <in> the- <laughs> Why'd you Just laugh? Like how Grandpa went. Hermit laughed at the end of that and then he died. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very Kermit laugh. 
Um, so, okay, so I'll, I'm going to paint over that a little bit. Everything he pretty much nailed uh, um, in terms of the trajectory of uh, Jim Henson is true. In terms of this movie, he met Frank Oz really, really early in their development of the Muppets. He met that he met Frank Oz um, uh, around Sesame Street, and I think even on Sam and Friends a little bit. But yes, that one of the main things about Jim Henson is that he would find people who were really good at stuff, and he would bring them into the fold, find their skills, and then apply them to whatever vision he had. But him and Frank Oz would work together. All throughout their career, they were the best of fucking friends. They, they, it, it was an unbelievable working relationship for them. Him and his wife did really well too, but like him and Frank Oz were amazing. And although Frank Oz is best known for Yoda with you, but he's also Miss Piggy. He's also, he's so, he's Fozzie. He's so many other characters that are important. He created so many of them. Um, <clears throat> so, I think he made Elmo too, if I remember correctly. I'm sorry? I think he made Elmo too. No, that was Kevin Clash, uh, who also was a part of this movie, too. Um, There's a whole documentary about Kevin Clash that's very interesting. Um, But uh, uh, in 1975, around the time that they were developing The Muppet Show, he he was caught in an airport with his daughter. And they decided to hash out the ideas of this movie at a hotel because of a blizzard. So all the notes of what this movie would be, he basically wrote with his daughter... Uh, that in those two nights, he then took the idea, fleshed it out a little bit, and he took it to this man, Brian Froud, uh, who had illustrated a bunch of books. And he made illustrations that to Jim Henson seemed like they could be real and could be made. So he went to Brian and he explained this idea that he had about these two uh, energies and races merging to make this uh, place real again. But he was more focused on the world than the plot. So he asked Brian to develop this idea. For five years, Brian created this world with Jim Henson. And then he went to the man, David O'Dell, who wrote the screenplay, and they started working on the languages uh, that the animals would speak. Because in the original cut of this movie, the Skeksis do not speak English. That's fixed later. Uh, And there's a lot of other elements that David O'Dell added, too. But Frank Oz, Jim Henson, and Brian Froud basically came together to add the main elements. Froud the world, Jim Henson would create the composition and the shots... And then Frank Oz would do all the character development and understand, like, the emotional stakes of the scene and the story at the time. And then they all came together to make this movie, which originally had no voiceover. The Skeksis did not speak English. They had captions. And there was probably another, uh, I think, 20 minutes of the movie. And it had a terrible first test screening. Now, there's an important thing to know about Jim Henson. Jim Henson, early on in his career when Sesame Street and uh, The Muppet Show got started, had a friend who was basically financing everything. Everything that Jim Henson wanted to do, he wrote him a blank check for. He Everything he ever wanted to do, Jim Henson had all the finances ever because someone believed in him. But that guy sold his company, and the guy who bought it did not believe in the Dark Crystal. And that first screening did not go well. So Jim Henson, on his own admission, went back shaved out 20 minutes, allowed the changes to occur, and that's the movie we get. There is no director's cut, but the closest thing that exists is out there. It's about eight more minutes. It adds new audio tracks, and it adds deleted scenes, and then even ones that are in black and white and shot. In my opinion, I think it's the better version. 
I think it's better to just kind of let this movie sink in a little bit. But that that's my opinion. At the same time, I don't think it's that big of a difference. It's just that voiceover, honestly, I think kind of takes away. But the mu- the soundtrack actually is quite good, and it really does make a lot of this work. But uh, it wasn't a smash hit. It was a very good hit. It was the 18th highest ranking movie of that year, wow. and um, it did pretty well. Critics were mixed on it. And it sort of came and went, but for um, Jim Henson, he considers he considered this to be the best thing he ever did. And considering the relationship of him and Frank Oz, it really is a powerful thing. They made a lot of things together. They made a lot of things for each other. Each one, um, each one directing their own Muppet movie. Each one allowing the other and helping the other direct their own movies, particularly. Um, a little shop of horrors for Frank Oz is an is an achievement in both puppetry as well as filmmaking and set design. Uh, but f- this is a real this is a real sort of like embodiment of what Jim Henson believed in. He was a true hearted hippie. Like he was all about peace, all about energy, all about when you die, it just goes somewhere else. Like this is all about how he feels. Just nature is great. Um, all of that aspect. But in terms of how he particularly wanted to approach this movie, he wanted it more to be about every frame being filled with something in this world. Every shot filled with something visual that told you what this world was. The story is just there to give you something beautiful to look at. It is puppetry. He didn't just do puppetry as a hobby. He went to fucking college for it. He studied it. This is puppetry at its finest, like letting the movements of the bodies and the world and everything envelop and suck you in while also not really using a lot of language to do that. And I think when you compare this to Labyrinth, there's completely different things. You have David Bowie jumping around singing with a baby and a giant penis. So it's just like... Two different things. This is a lot more serious. And I think when you ever take a chance to look at the sequel, the prequel series on Netflix, which honestly, Chris, I think you'd really love. Um, I think they get a lot of the spirit of what this is and everything that has come after it. But uh, they don't really get what the intention of this movie was. And I don't think anyone really want an entire show of it, which is just to quietly go to this world. They never wanted to make a sequel. They never wanted to make a prequel. Frank Oz did not is not involved with this, but the Jim Henson Company made it, and I think it's the closest thing they could ever get to it. Age of Resistance, I mean. But um, yeah, that is the story of Dark Crystal. Yeah. What did you think? I liked it. He's very, very subtle about it. <laughs> no, I mean, like, okay, well, it took, kind of took the words out of my mouth, but, like, I was watching and I was just like, there's not a whole lot of, um, like, there's not a, there's not a whole lot of weight in the story. And it wasn't until, like, what was it? It didn't click with me until um, until um, Jen was in the forest, and it was just shots of the creatures and the environments. I'm like, oh, that's okay. I know what I'm supposed to be looking for here. That is my favorite scene of the movie. Favorite scene of the movie. 
Like, that's when it clicked with me. I was like, oh, I'm not supposed to be paying. Like, that's not. That's not what they were going for here. They're not trying to tell a. Like. A super complex story, because I, I've looked on Google. It said for ages nine through 12. I was like, OK, that makes sense. OK, I. I it's a pretty simple story. Yeah. 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 Um all it needs to be with that i was like okay this is nice like the the sets here are crazy straight up sets are crazy um if you have any questions about that shit i have watched almost every fucking video read every fucking thing <laughs> imaginable about this movie so if you have any questions feel free to ask me it's peter's favorite so much so that he's mad that age of resistance got canceled we're not talking about that right now. That's for later. They were all named Peter. Peter. <laughs> oh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Peter's just very sad because his favorite oh, thing wow. got canceled. So, yeah, I was. So I, once I realized that my, like, I, I realized that on my own. I was just like, oh, they're taking their time with like the shots, and there was there was also the um. The scene in the village of uh, Kira's village. I was like, um, or the the Podlings village, duh. Um, where I was like, okay, there are a lot of shots setting up this environment of them just like doing whatever and just like dancing and playing instruments. I'm like, okay, the dialogue's not important. Story's not important. It's the world. It's yeah. the it's the set. It's the like, it's just the world. That's all this is. And it's a kid's movie. Like, they're not going to remember. Like, um, at the time, like, they're not that like story is not going to stick with them. It's the character. It's the sets. It's the puppets, for God's sake. Um, and once I realized that, I was like, OK, this is. This is fine. This is this looks pretty good. The sets are insane. Um, you don't get sets this real these days. Not a whole lot, not in the mainstream, unless it's like a Star Wars movie, um, which tracks. Um, it's almost like all the sets were actually real. <laughs> yeah, almost. <laughs> it's, it's almost. The, the interesting thing is, yeah, like the closest thing to it literally is Age of Resistance. And while that does have a lot of CGI that enhances a lot, of, it brings this world to life. It is very close to this. It's as close as they could have ever have gotten, which is why, yes, I'm not surprised they canceled it money wise, but I am surprised they canceled it in general because it's beautiful. I it have. is a more complicated version of a fantasy story. It's actually super complicated, way more complicated than this, but it is fun to watch. It is really, really good. But out of this show, out of the fantasy stuff that we watched down here, I think particularly Neverending Story and Willow. How does this compare to this kind of, to those kind of movies? All from the uh, kind of same, in same time. The eighties uh, fantasy boom. Honestly, like visually, this movie is above and beyond better than than the other two. But like, I think story wise, Willow is a stronger film. No, like the move. The, I'm st I still stand that 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 ending just betrayed the entire movie. Um, <laughs> I I still stand that 
Willow's ending betrayed itself. Um, sure, sure, but like it's still it's still more dense and stronger than this. This is a very straightforward story. It's just a much more beautiful, and the world is way more interesting. It's like you watch Lord of the Rings for the world, not necessarily for the fact that a dude is literally spending <laughs> five years to go throw a ring in a volcano. Like, come on. Yeah, Zach, United ninety three was a great flight until the end. Yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> I mean, I mean, but, 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 but I'm like, like realistically plot wise, why didn't they just have the Eagles take the ring and drop it in the volcano? Like, come on. I don't know. <laughs> because you I had to experience the world in the journey. That's why. <laughs> I would probably say that this is the better, this is the that was better a terrible joke. <laughs> I think this is the better one out of the three because never ending story is an incomplete story and you can feel that. And I think, um, never Willow, ending. Willow is Willow is goofy. I think it's a little too goofy um, for its own good. It is fun and entertaining, but not necessarily a better story. I think this one is so bare bones and simple that it just yep. doesn't fuck around. That I do love it, but there are things that the more I watch it, the more I enjoy. Like the podlings are so full of life and yep. so exuberant and joyful. No wonder those motherfuckers are getting their <laughs> essence taken out. <laughs> and you're like, oh, no, that's so like. Uh, so, so like, I'm watching it while we're talking, and I just got to the scene where the Skeksis is, and there's the naked dude. I'm just like, oh, boy. <laughs> no, so here's, okay, so here's my thing, right? I think NeverEnding Story is a better movie than this. What? I, I think like, you can make an argument for that. Okay. Just, like, okay, well, we can go around, like, this, I think the I'm, story, the NeverEnding Story is better. Because it never ends. Okay. Uh, well, I, I, it is more entertaining. It is far. It, there's more fun in it. There's there's plus there's like flows. There's comedy. This is a one note kind of thing. This is this this is the thing you watch after fucking two seasons of Attack on Titan. So this is the thing, thing you pop your ass fucking down. This also, is here's the thing. Too much sugar. Sorry. Okay, but here's my here's my point. The cinematography between these three movies, there's some overlap. So a lot's blending together for me. Fair. Fair. It's been a while. It's the 80s fantasy boom. Um, yeah, I would agree with that. So... Like, all right, Peter. Thanks. Thanks. I needed to see that. <laughs> um, I had to. I'm sorry. Don't make me send You always get one uh -huh. of those. Um, so, but like... But like, yeah, I'm not like it was pretty. Like, I thought it was pretty good. It's like, like the puppets are really good too. Yeah. Um, except, except I did have a gripe on the uh, the Gelfling spaces. Like, <laughs> oh, those, come on. the like, I know right. it's like a kid's right. show, and like, like I, I'm asking for a little more. <laughs> like, I, I wasn't. Well, what they didn't get like the faces that? right right away. Can I can I give you a little backstory? Um, Please, because like, okay, but one more thing, like, yeah, is it fair to me to say that, like, between this and Yoda two years prior, something like Yoda was way more expressive? You can't compare them. You can't compare them. I can't. No, because no. sorry, goodbye, everybody. Have a good well, one. No, uh, well, release the well, Snyder first cut. Of all, first of all, the Muppet Show has better Muppets than fucking Yoda. Like the they had made things better than Yoda well before Yoda showed up in 1981, I believe. 80. This is 
1980, way before then. They've, they were already middle of the Muppet Show by then. This is, the Gelfling themselves are meant to look like marionettes. They're meant to look like puppets that are on strings. This Can is I... a puppet movie. Like, it, I think it's a decision that has not worked for a lot of people and has not aged very well over time for a lot. But there is a reason why he chose it to look that way. It's not a lack of being able to design something better. My, what I was, it was a creative choice. Yeah, I was gonna get into that. So it's, it's, it was mainly one woman who was designing, physically sculpting the Gelfling. It took her a very long time. She never said it. Never said how long it took her. But she went through hundreds, Chris, hundreds upon hundreds of iterations of what these two characters, two main characters would look like before Frank Oz and Jim Henson settled on what you see in the movie. Hundreds. It took her that long for a reason, because they had to be the most relatable characters that young people could latch themselves onto and relate to. They had to look the most human, the most All right. simple. Okay. Okay. And one thing, the the podlings are actually based off of potatoes. I never knew that until last night I was reading about I thought, it. I thought they looked like the nuns from uh, The Last Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no and it makes sense you know potatoes potato 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 podling you know what I'm saying potato it would be the basis for frag for the fraggles for fraggle rock yeah good call uh i uh i i we do have when we did the other show our our partner was very found this movie very frightening he, he called it the uncanny valley and a lot frightening? of people a reference Yes, frightening. He caught he he felt that this movie was scary and too scary for kids, and he thought that the face of the Gelflings in general were too freaky. He called it the too close to the boundary between real and fake that it's disturbing <laughs> to look at. That's called the Uncanny Valley. I disagree. I understand the purpose of the Gelfling and I'm okay, especially when I grew up with Team America World Police, which is the only Michael Bay action movie with marionette puppets. So I'm fucking used to it and love the and and fine with it. And I think they do get better in age of resistance. Yeah, they 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 definitely do. Okay. I'm 24 years old. I haven't seen Neverending Story in like since we reviewed it. I could say definitively that movie is scarier than this. Yeah, I know. I honestly, I didn't know. I didn't know if Alex was gonna bring up our episode about Jim Henson and our other episode about um, his other movies besides the Muppets, which we all put into one episode on the Real Butter Buttercast. And yeah, I'm it was totally not sponsored, by the way. <laughs> totally. No, we are sponsored. Are we? As long as Peter's here, I guess. Okay. I, <laughs> I didn't see. Where, where's my Where's my check, dude? We don't earn any money here. I don't know if you knew. Yeah. Fucking we out of here. <laughs> I've been really fucking patient, okay? 
<laughs> Just sitting by his own tree, man. Won't even go home. <laughs> no, honestly, it it was it's quite the interesting uh episode because we disagreed. We I mean we dis that <laughs> we, with our with our with our partner in crime, we we do disagree a lot uh, on movies, and I was I was shell shocked by the fact that he just did not like this movie at all. I mean, it fucking it. Yeah, wow. The there there's there's so many little little things in this movie. I mean, apart from the story, which we there's not much else to talk on about the story it's it's a bare bones it's what it ha- it's what it needs to be for a movie like this with all of the feats that they accomplished all of the all the corners they had to cut and storyboards they had to cut out because they just couldn't move a puppet a certain way like there's a reason this movie took forever they they didn't have what we have now and what we got for uh age of I almost said extinction, fucking Transformers. <laughs> for Age of Resistance, they didn't have the technology. They did not have the technology. So when you get scenes uh, towards the beginning when the, the wisest of the mystics is talking to Jen and he's showing him the dark... It's like a... It's not a crystal ball, but it's the same effect where he sh- he's showing him images. This is what the crystal is. This is where you need to go. This is what it looks like. And I've... I mean, I've seen this movie hundreds of times now and i love pausing and going back and pausing and going back just on these few seconds that they only happen for a few seconds but you look at this scene and it's like okay there it looks like they are it's a pot and then there's this thing emerging out of the pot of liquid and it looks like ice melting but it's in reverse so it looks like it's building instead of melting and then the final image is just laid over with with a transparent, you know, or a translucent thing that they're trying to show, like if it's the crystal or, or something. But that literally happens for less than five seconds in this entire movie. Never shows up again. That same method, nev- it never shows up again. Like, th- this movie is chock full of s- those small things that you can easily look over. Like if you watch, almost said it again, Age of Resistance, I almost said Age of Extinction. You, you can easily, you can just tell like, okay, that was, you know, computer generated. And it's not a bad thing, but you, you that's just, it just passes in your mind. But for a movie like this, you it can easily pass your mind. You, you know, it's a fictional world. You know, these are puppets. But if you pause... I wish I watched it with you guys and just paused it and went like, how did they just do that? Best guess. How did they just do that one thing that'll never show up? That technique will never show up again in this movie. How did they just do that? How many takes do you think it took them to do that? It's fucking insane. Actually, a really interesting theory. uh, uh, Not really theory, but uh, I guess factoid. Uh, Age of Resistance's budget was nearly double the original movies. Oh, God. It, it actually, because Netflix is pretty opaque on it, uh, a lot of people are estimating it based on what the Henson Company usually allocates for all this stuff, which is about $9 million per episode with 
which times 10 is 90 million plus 2 million for pre-production putting out about 92 million dollars to make the the show and the original is made on 15 I'm well, not what's... surprised it's all on screen man yeah yeah it, it's just gorgeous it is it, it is one of I, I just I, I run out of words because the, I grew up watching this movie. I, I watched this movie. I watched Labyrinth. I watched uh, Never Ending Story. Yeah, the thing never ends. And I, <laughs> I grew up with these movies and I grew up to be so hungry for this sort of genre, this type of filmmaking, this art. And it didn't die out, but it. It became pretty, 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 uh. I don't know. It just stopped showing up. Scarce. It's not, scarce. Yeah, scarce. Thank you. Scarce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just, it's just, you don't get these sort of things anymore. So when Age of, oh my God, I almost said it again, Age of Resistance <laughs> came just out. At this point, Chris, at this point, Pierre, just say Age of Extinction. We'll know what you're talking about. Age of Ultron. Age of Ultron. When yeah, Age of yeah, Ultron came out, <laughs> when Age of Ex- Extinction Ultron came out, and he was resisting everything. Age of Innocence by Martin Scorsese. It just blew just... my mind. It blew my mind because I hadn't gotten something like this for decades, mm. for a decade and a half. Because I can go back and watch old movies like these that I've seen hundreds of times, but new movies coming out in you know modern times, you don't get that shit, man. You don't. And if anything, it's on YouTube in some person with their group of friends that have an undying love for this sort of genre and this sort of uh, art. You can watch stuff like that on YouTube, but no. I I would actually agree the close, the two closest things I've come to, to this, or probably the closest thing I've ever come to being this well-developed in production design and puppetry is Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared. That's a free thing you can see on YouTube. This this genre is it it blows my mind, and I know I'm like I'm biased and shit, but like this sort of genre is one of my favorite things ever. And just reading and watching and trying to consume all of the information I possibly can about this one movie is insane. Every time I I dive into it again, I learn something new. Like just this last night, I learned that the podlings are based off of potatoes. I never fucking knew that. It's useless information, honestly. This is cool. Yeah. Uh, the, okay, uh, yeah. the mystics were actually um the the actors, the performers, I should say, who performed the mystics were dancers and mimes. It's just huh. the most eclectic group of people. <laughs> like that's yeah, again, that's the other thing. If you watch there's an hour documentary of this that's it's on um, YouTube for free. Around, yeah, for free. And one of the things they make very clear is that if you have any skill at all, they will utilize it. If you do any sort of craft at all, they put it into this movie. What the one guy walked on, he's like, I know how to do stilts. They're like, you know how to do stilts? Show stilts. And then he's like, sure. And they're like, give him two more things to put on his arms. And they're like, we should put some fur on that. Next yeah. thing you know, they get some running across the room with a wire on him and they make a new animal. 
dude, yeah, they had they had to put a wire on that guy, or else when he if he would fall, he'd he'd break his neck, he'd die. So they mm-hmm. they they put this uh, this harness on and this wire with a pulley, and they connected it to a crane, not one that like you know that you'd see in a little construction site, like one used to to make buildings. Like the shit from Spider-Man Three, that kind of cranes. <laughs> like the budget for this movie is fucking crazy. Literally, they had two people put into this costume for stilts. I like how how much does a crane cost? To, well, the, this movie was made on twenty-five million dollars, which 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 at the time was is probably equivocal to. Nearly a hundred million, probably. In in no like, way. When did they start production? Uh, nineteen seventy nine, I think. Like, yeah. I think so. Okay, hold on. But isn't that amazing? Twenty five okay, million. Yeah. We need but... something that these guys can uh, get hooked up to that is big enough for them to run across the stage. Okay, let's just uh, yeah, like we get that crane. We get a crane. Like, imagine having the money and just the ability to do that. You gotta make the Muppet Show. I, yeah, I, I, um, I, I am constantly amazed because when I first watched this, I knew I watched this a lot as a kid, but when I went back as an adult, I, we went back for the Buttercast. Yeah, and there was so 90, many other about things. $91 million. I'm sorry? About $91 million in modern, in modern days. Yeah. Current funds. Yeah, that's a lot. Uh, I, I would say when I went back to for the Buttercast, I was so nervous about the show and doing it, saw that stuff. But coming back now and just this being the only thing that I could focus on, and I and I spread it out throughout the week. The director's cut, watching the movie, watching Age of Resistance, watching the behind the scenes. I really took my time with this. But once I watched the director's cut and there was nothing but like music and I knew the story and I just sort of watched it all play out visually. I was like, yeah, this world is beautiful. This is great. I didn't need some guy telling me all this shit. And uh, like, it just, it's a beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Age of Resistance really is a great fantasy story because it doesn't skimp. There is no fat. And it is a complicated, interesting story. I wish there was more. But the the fact that it's all to build to basically after Everything has gone horribly wrong. Armageddon has occurred. The planet is drained and the bad guys fucking won. And it's just two people who like just pick up a shard and they stick it in the diamond. That's it. Like that's the that is the answer to everything. And the movie doesn't make it any more than that. It's it just makes the defense that this world needs to be saved and deserves better. And that it exists. Yeah. And just the sheer fact that it exists. It's the, the only ex- reason this movie exists is because Jim Henson was like, I want you to breathe this thing. I want you to live here when you look at it. I want my puppets to breathe life and I don't want them to be goofy, silly, fuzzy things. I want them to feel real. And I was like, yeah, yeah. And he did it with the sim- most simple story ever. It's beyond impressive for a lot of those reasons. But I will say this in terms of the fear thing. When the when the podling gets his life sucked out, it's pretty gross looking. And yeah, the, and crazy. the end beings, the end beings, the mix of the mystics and the skexies, that thing, it's pretty fucking weird. 
look it is creepy. so wild i i did like that connection and added kind of attention to the whole thing he's like okay if any more of these people die this isn't possible because like if a skexis dies then a mystic dies because they're mm-hmm. just linked like that. It's like a yin yang kind of thing. Exactly. And I did like that because it added tension to the end. Because like, oh no, how many more of them are going to die? How many more are going to be left when this whole thing I, goes down? I, I do love the fact that they're doing this giant walk, which a lot of just the shots of the mystic walking, fucking gorgeous. Uh, mm-hmm. Very Salvador uh, Dali. But I do love that in the middle of the walk, one of the because one of the Skeksis dies, a Mystic dies, and I remember I just felt like the other ones were like, "Motherfucker doesn't have to walk any further, son of a bitch." Couldn't have been me. I know. Imagine just living your life, and then all of a sudden, your best friend just gets engulfed in flame and disappears. I know. I don't know what you're talking about, man. That'd be. <laughs> Ooh, that all looked bad. Hmm. <laughs> crazy and they're all just chill with it like that's what it is they're just oh i did fall out of the tree if i'd have burned a fire it would have been weird because i don't think i'm any of your best friend yikes sorry man anyway um the the they have uh i actually didn't want to interrupt you chris if you had something no i mean like so <laughs> i was watching no it was just a funny thing it's like as i was watching this i'm like I can like this thing I I could tell this was like made post Star Wars cuz like it this kind of reeked of Star Wars kind of from like the mystic disappearing like that like okay they I did notice they brought that, that back forever <laughs> return of the jedi um so I was thinking okay this is like if Star Wars and Lord of the Rings had a baby. That <laughs> baby grew up. And then that one hooked up with another franchise. I totally <laughs> forgot. I don't know if it was like. Transformers. This is like. Go ahead. This is like this. This is like a spiritual. Like with space balls. But like it's more of like. um. This is kind of like a. Like the idea of spiritual successors, but like this is like a spiritual intersection between so many different things. Like I could totally see this as a planet in Star Wars. I could totally Fuck see yeah. this as like um another yeah. corner of uh Middle or Middle Earth. Oh, um yeah. uh, there I, oh man. The Star the Wars one is, really holds up the because you could the, the interesting thing is like the, a fantasy had the biggest inspiration in the world with Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings has inspired so much fantasy, it's ridiculous. And Star Wars is the same thing, too, because it is partly fantasy. Like, after that came out, things were never the same. But in the 80s, there was a particular goal for fantasy. I don't know if that is particularly because of Last Jedi, and uh, I'm sorry, not last Return Jedi, of the Jedi. I was going to say, and Return of the Jedi, and those Ewoks, and the look of it. But I think there was always fantasy involved in Star Wars that pushed the fantasy game because, like, there are a lot more fantasy movies that came out in the '80s. But when I was watching this, I was like, is that because of this? Did Jim Henson give a shit about Star Wars, despite having a Star Wars episode on The Muppet Show? I think he respected it. 
I think he understood the fun of it. He tried to put the Muppets on SNL, and that didn't work either. He's in Star Wars with Yoda and Frank Oz, too. But I, I ultimately think when I think about this and his work with Brian Froud, who had worked with fairy tale books before, I think this is probably just cripping a lot of ideas from fantasies before. Yeah, no, it is. Simple. Like, it's not like from bare bones, they're like, this is bad, this is good, but they can't exist without each other. You separate them, there's an imbalance. Um, there's and then you, then you get a chosen one. They get a chosen one. Prophecy, they got a prophecy. Uh, like, yeah. That's the gonna hero's end. journey. Like, it was... it like I, I at the end of the day, when I think about this, I think about coloring books. I, I made a joke with Peter earlier about him coloring stuff, but it's the same thing. It's like if you give a kid a coloring book, sure, but like if they give it back to you and it's like the most interesting use of color, like it's beyond the lines and it's trippy and it's beautiful, it's like, wow, you took something that anybody could have taken and made a Star Wars or whatever out of and you built the world reason why Star Wars is so good is that it also stole from a bunch of shit. It's basically the plot of a Kurosawa film. It takes yeah. a bunch of samurai movies. Like, there's no doubt, like, it, there's a lot of shit that Star Wars takes, too. But what does it do? It builds an amazing world with it. Mm -hmm. An amazing world with it. And then uh, and matches that with great pacing. It's like Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, he takes stuff, but he makes something out of it. There's, you can't argue that. And I think it's the same thing here. Yeah, there's a lot yeah. of simple story beats, but at the end of the day, like, there's not a lot of things that look like the Dark Crystal ever, except there, maybe. Yeah, there, there, there are two things. There's, uh, the, the singer who did Sunflower, for uh, Spider-Man, into the Spider Verse. No, 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 no. The the person who who sang the uh the chorus the sunflower yeah, that no oh, yeah it's not post malone there's another person in there uh i can't remember his name but it it was it was one of those uh one of those tweets replying to tweets like mean tweets and this and this person was like this oh, is stupid swaley okay yeah and this person is saying like you're so unoriginal. Like I've heard your sound before. Like you, your lyrics are are so bland. You don't, and blah 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 blah. And he just look the the kid looks straight into the camera and he just goes, "You do it then." Dang! Just, like Mike, fucking drop. And that's yeah. what this movie is. It's like yeah, right. it has these beats and everything. You fucking do this. Do it. Go do it right now. Exactly. Take five like, years out of your fucking life. Five years. It took them five years to make this movie. Yeah, that's a long time. But watching this movie hundreds upon hundreds of times, it only took them five years to make. Only five. Now, Chris, if you were to look at me and watch Age of Resistance and come back and be like, they took this from this and this story-wise, you'd have a leg to stand on because a huge chunk so, like, of Here's my thing. Like, I'm not complaining. No, no, like, no, I just no, noticed no. That. but I get what you're saying. Like, yeah, no, we, we, don't, we don't think you are. Okay. It's, it's a question about art in terms of derivative nature. When you live in a point of popular culture when something is big, when it, what, who are the people who are doing well in that genre who aren't? In the 50s, it was Westerns. In the 80s, there was a huge binge of fantasy for some reason. And it was probably Star Wars, but it was other things too. And right now, we live in superhero stuff. 
we all look at super a lot of superhero movies and we're like, oh, these are all great. But given time, there's going to be people who are looking at it and just being like, this is just another Avengers. This is just another this. It's about finding the ones that have aged mm-hmm. over time and finding out what's interesting and different about them. Now, everything you're saying, again, I would say relies heavily to the show that you can use as a criticism because the script is very important. There are three characters coming from societies that they are now realizing are corrupt and bad and need to fall and know the end is coming and they're banning on actual rebellion. It's a lot of complicated things that need to happen. Right. That is not the goal here. The goal here is to film every reframe with an unimaginable detail because they, they, they apparently it's for kids to look at and just think about all day and they, and they don't have questions like why did this person do this why did this person do that it's simple they were told to by their dad who's now dead and he was adopted and the gefflins are gone like you don't need to know that stuff but when a kid goes to school he's going to be thinking about the, the Skeksis who falls into the pit Hell of yeah. shit, how cool that looks, about how after that happens, one of the mystics disappears in fire, and you're like, this is just small things, and, and that that's it's about visual storytelling, and I, I the balls on a man Dude. to do that in the 80s, who was yeah. best known for having puppets and celebrities interact on a comedy show, is crazy. Alex, and him and Frank Watson you... is just crazy. You literally just said like 50% of my childhood and it was just a generalization. Like th- this shit is real. Like this, this really did have that much of an impact on people it still does, but I have countless drawings from when I was in elementary school, middle school, even high school. And now where I, there's influenced imagination ideas and all of these fantasy things that have been birthed from this movie. And if it weren't for this movie, I wouldn't have been able to to have that spark of detail in my head and and have that that drive. There's also like like to to explain influence. There are people who play like like D and D type games with, like in the Dark Crystal world. It's that deep. It's that influence. I have friends right. who play it. Like it's definitely like a very deep world with a very deep mythology that like was built in five years which is the i would say yeah if there's anything that this is that any fantasy story is derivative of in any way it's D D. and i just don't know enough about D D. but i guarantee you that this movie is just basically one night of playing D D. honestly to go from what you guys are saying they had maps of all of the landscapes what terrains to use in certain places and all of the plants and animals that lived in those places they had all that shit planned out they had it to the t dude they dotted all the fucking eyes they dashed all the t's it's insane it's insane the the amount of thought that goes into this and then i it's just it's mind-blowing like the, the, yeah, the reason I know that this is such a well done, well built built world for this such simple story is that when they did make a prequel and they made it as complicated as they did, it all makes sense. It all mm-hmm. works, and it's all based on material that was made years ago that they just never did anything with. There are novels and stuff that were given the okay by Jim Henson with this that they followed through on some of those ideas with, but like it was such a rich world to begin with that was uh, that was the tip of an iceberg that when they actually discovered the iceberg later it was like straight up real iceberg like that's a quote you guys can use that 
<laughs> they think of it like this. You you make this thing. It's a really cool thing, but it has a lot of loose ends. Like you're knitting a blanket and it has these loose ends for a reason. So you can you can add on to this blanket. It's a quilt or whatever you want to imagine it as. But it's still really cool on its own. But that's the best thing. You you have these creatures in this world and you just it's just this thing where where Jen blows into his um flute thing. I know there's an actual instrument that's like that. I can't remember the, its name. And he's trying to figure out which crystal and he narrowed it down to three. He just blows into the thing and all of a sudden the crystal glows purple. Unexplained. But you're like, okay, yeah, fuck it. Why not? These mystics are all knowing and all this stuff. They gave him this instrument. Why not? You get all these things that you can later explain and you can, you can connect your own thing to, and it makes complete sense. And that that's a world that I want to be in where I can contribute to it and it for it to work i mean it's and like star wars too. yeah i yeah i think that's probably the best word to it. it it is a world so well thought through and so well developed but the story is so simple and without very much detail it allows any kid to fill in those gaps of story because they can paint the world so well in their head when they leave they can contribute anything they want when they're done with it mm-hmm that's awesome. Mm. Um, best thing though, when I was watching uh, the behind the scenes for this movie, one of the th- one of the videos of behind the scenes for this movie, guess what they had, guys? What? Millennium Falcon. They had oh. helmets. They had oh helmets. my god! They Steve, had that's helmets. Full circle. Finally. Final Full circle. Full circle. They have legitimate helmets. That's how dangerous. <laughs> Why don't they have helmets in Attack on Titan? Because uh, they're insane. You clearly established because everyone's that the people in the show are insane. Yeah, everyone's a red shirt. That's why. It, that is a good point. I do think it's odd. I'm watching Attack on Titan so much, and I'm like, they should have at least have helmets, right? <laughs> no, no, no. They're going to throw bodies at them. Actually, think about it. Besides falling, which they're trained not to do. What is helmet, even if they do fall, what is a helmet gonna do? Really? Uh, they fall on they fall on brick ground all the time. Yeah, all the time. Their bodies stuck on the ground. Their bodies like, crippled. A <laughs> anyway, you already ex- you already got your Attack on Titan film. Anyway, uh, so I, 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 it's important in co- in all content. Wear a fucking helmet. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Um, so yeah i just like i just thought it was like really weird because i was getting a lot of different vibes from a lot of different franchises so i was thinking like maybe this is like a bigger influence than i'm realizing so i that's that's all i thought um so yeah like I, i bet if i was a kid in like 1982 i'd be like I'm seeing this in a movie theater. God help anybody who stands in my way. I saw it. It was at it was at Willow. They were showing this movie for the 25th anniversary, I think. There was some yeah, anniversary going on, and I got to finally see this movie in the theater. This, like, oh my god, it was so amazing. It was so so cool. Nice. Third. Oh so, my god, there was 
there was uh these like three chicks behind me in my dance. That's right. That's this movie. That's right. Did I tell you this? You totally told me that she was so pissed about it. <laughs> you did not. Oh no, we're we about to get a bad theater experience Dude, story. These, I, I, on it. It's hard to paint the picture. Every, okay. every. So just hear me out for for. A I minute. feel like I've I've heard this, but but go on. I, I'll let you know if I actually did hear about this. <laughs> Either way, I have not. Every scene, every moment that happens in this movie. These three chicks, at least one of them, without fail, every single time, at least one of them, would laugh. Oh my god, I heard about this. Would laugh. And I'm and I'm a third of the way into the movie, and I'm like, dude, what the fuck is funny? Like, what is actually funny? I almost turn around and be like, what are you actually laughing? Am I missing something? I've watched this movie since I was fucking born. What am, what am I missing? What am I fucking missing? And I'm thinking and I'm thinking and I'm thinking and they're ruining this movie because I'm thinking about them thinking about this movie and I'm going, you know what it is? You know what it is? What? Imagine going to the to a movie that you've seen with two or three whatever other of your friends that you've all seen countless times that you share memes with that you talk about daily. There's an, there isn't a day that goes by that you don't talk about this one, whatever this movie is. And you finally get to see it in the theater. And the only way to express that you all know what's happening and you all are familiar with what the moment is saying and what you are about to see and what you already saw is to giggle and to just give that little ego boost to just be like, yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that part. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Without fail at least one of these three or four chicks would do that in every scene for the entire hour and a half wow i'm so sorry i have never experienced a movie like that before and this is like i i can't it's hard to put into words more than what i've already had i'm sure people who are listening who don't know me know that i am in love with this movie I am actually in love with this movie. And for that to happen to me, you know, I know all of the other people in that theater were probably experiencing the same thing. Like, wow, bitch, shut the fuck up. Just shut up. No one else is going, "Mm, I know that moment. (laughs) It's like when I um, tried to show my friend, uh, my friend, Ben Kingsman and uh, at at a theater and the, uh, it was actually a cinema grill, um, and, and the uh, projector kept dying. Oh, that's right such... when everybody's head started exploding. Oh no! Oh, that actually sucks. Yeah. Oh. Once we finally, once he, the look on his face when he finally figured out what was happening, when we finally got to see the heads popping off. Dude, that's <laughs> priceless. But like, yeah, I totally get what you mean. I hope. I hope these three chicks or four chicks, because they clearly have an undying love for this movie, and they will most likely listen to a podcast about this movie. I hope you're listening. <laughs> oh, God. And I want you to know that I worked at Imagine Willow Creek, or at, I think it was Imagine at the time, but before it was Muller Family Theaters in Willow Creek. Okay? You went to this movie, The Dark Crystal, 
You saw it for, I don't know if it was the 25th anniversary or it was some anniversary special thing. I want you to know that you ruined the movie for the... For everyone, for every single person in that auditorium that you were in, you you sincerely tainted the movie experience because you had to get that little ego lift, that little boost, that little hair of a step stool above your other friend to know that, yeah, I like that part in that in that in this movie. No, I like that part in this movie. I know what's going to happen. You actually suck. (laughs) it's not about you it's about everyone experiencing the movie we were all connected in that auditorium and you decided to go (laughs) non-stop actually non-stop and people love this movie enough to not ruin it more to tell you to shut the fuck up thank you so if we don't have anything else we want to say about the movie do we want to go straight to grade yeah, I, ha- I had a few things about um, Age of Extinction Ultron Resistance. It's really <laughs> okay. just like it's really just uh, one thing. Uh, when I when I was reading into it, of course, Netflix uh, murdered the show because of financial issues, which is perfectly understandable. They are a business. I completely understand that. But the problem is that of the same issue you have with a lot of your other shows you release them all at the same time and when people binge they either lose interest or they watch it all the way through and don't remember half of the shit that just happened because they watched it all in one fucking day but in this case people got third of the way through half of the way through and this is it was it's a long series it's 10 hours it's an hour each episode. There's 10 episodes. So it's 10 hours or 11 hours. I can't fucking remember. Either way. It's 10. Thank you, Alex. It is 10. People can lose interest fast because you can binge all of this in, you know, two days or a day if, if you're really that gung-ho about it. And if you're not liking where the series is halfway through, fuck, it only took you half a day. You're just going to forget about it. You're not going to watch it again. What should have happened is this series, maybe not even on Netflix, should have been released weekly, like The Mandalorian, like Falcon and the Winter Soldier, like uh, WandaVision. WandaVision, thank you, where we talk about it week to week. I guarantee we wouldn't have had half of the conversations if it was all released at once. I think there's some... Some things that benefit from binging and some things that don't. I think that this just didn't have... This show deserved a bigger audience. That's the answer. It doesn't matter what the process was. It deserved a bigger audience in general. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's the marketing's fault, but it deserved a bigger audience. A part of it was the marketing. Netflix does that a lot, where they announce, hey, we're doing the show, and then they have a trailer, and then it that's it. And then you just wait for a month or two months for the show to get released. Uh, they, they don't market it like every day, uh, an image or a new clip every week or something of this show. It's just you Google it, and then the last updated thing, Google search, that, that you clicked on is like three months ago and it's saying that it will release on this date and there's nothing else about it. Um, um, but 
Lisa, uh, Lisa Henson, the executive producer, also the daughter of Jim Henson, did say once ever, once everything was finalized that it was canceled, she did say, uh, I'll quote this, we can confirm that there will not be an additional season of the Dark Crystal Age of Extinction Ultron Resistance. We we know fans are eager to learn how this chapter of the Dark Crystal saga concludes, and we'll look for ways to tell that story in the future. So they haven't abandoned the story. It might be a book. It might be a cartoon or something, maybe. Or a comic. Or a comic, yeah. But they know. They know fans really liked it, and it wasn't the fans' fault. It was, in the end, Netflix that didn't really do a great job marketing and just released it all at once. The the other problem is that, and this is kind of, again, a huge Netflix thing, is that they are spending a lot of money on individual seasons that they know are not going to... This show, even if they did do it, was never going to live past season four. That's just how Netflix runs. Mm-hmm. They Once once they, they've realized they spent so much money on a certain show, they just gut it. And the fact that they were probably spending almost $100 million per season on this show meant it was very likely that if it even got a second season, that was going to be the last season anyways. Yeah, either either way, they fucked themselves because it doesn't yep. matter how many people view it. It's still not going to make up for the amount of money they spent to make it. Yeah, that's just stupid. Yep. But at least we got it because yeah. holy shit. It's so good. It's so Here, good. Like, however bad you feel, I have to I have to look at the Netflix logo almost every day and think. They have the rights to Narnia, and they have done nothing with it. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God, dude. Oh, we both. Though I'm putting uh, this out on the internet right now. If anybody thinks they're going to direct a horse and his boy, it ain't happening, because that's <laughs> mine. I'm calling dibs do it, now. Dude. I dibs on your that's dibs that mine. you get dibs. <laughs> Chris, I call do... dibs on a horse and his boy. Chris, do I have to remind you about the conversations we had with the Narnia trilogy. <laughs> no, this has nothing to do with that. I just want to direct that movie. Do it, dude. Why wouldn't you want to do Last Battle, though, over, like, Horson's boy? Because we may never get to the Last Battle. Chris, or Silver Chair. Chris, you have my word. When we're all rich and famous, I will help you make that movie. Okay. I will make obstacles because I want to make it a better triumph for you. <laughs> <laughs> now, that's a true friend. That's your Frank Oz. Oh, that's so... I'll be the guy who's like, okay, listen, realistically, I need $150 million to make this. And Alex will be like, you get 25 we sell one of my cars. No, it, it's it's more like it's more like I'll give you the money, but also you cannot wear shoes the entire shoot. Bye. Shoot, there's a desert scene in that book. Oh, that's a problem. <laughs> um, hey, a lot of sand. It's coarse. It's rough. It gets everywhere. Yep. Oh damn you! Um, doesn't mean you can't wear socks. Really thick socks. Like Layer up. Um, anyway, but like. But like, yeah, it's just like I, I, I get that. Like, I just looked at the trailer. That look, it does look awesome. Insane. Um, so, yeah, 
Screw you, Netflix. Yeah, fuck you. <laughs> God, if, you, um, if you're... I, I, I couldn't listen back to the previous episode for some reason. Uh, I think it was because I came in later and it, and it didn't save on my end. I, but, I was gonna, I was planning on uploading tomorrow. Okay, cool. I just I I wanted to hear that episode because I thought it was a good episode. But also, going back, I was like, how long was I heartbroken? Like the, it, I, my eyes glazed <laughs> over with pain. So, <laughs> okay. I mean, That's a great. Friendly, a friendly reminder, Chris. We still have to get a second season of The Witcher. Oh, I also got to... No, that's happening. Say this real quick. Uh, it's Peter, not happening. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Everybody, calm down. Alex, go ahead. I'm going to say this while, so we can keep talking about other stuff and give Peter a little bit of time. But remember, we're doing The Good Wheel tonight, and The Good Wheel is a... Bad Wheel tonight. Game. Bad Wheel tonight. What? It's Bad Wheel? Dark Crystal was a curiosity. Oh, wow. Alex, oh, no. Bad movie, Will. <laughs> And I got one, boys. I came prepared this one time. I came prepared. Sweet. Okay. Cool. Let's keep going. I thought we were gonna. I thought you forgot that it was female director, but I guess that's next time. That's next week. Uh, so let's grade. Yes. And get to it. <laughs> I'll get mine out of the way because I feel like mine is the most controversial. Uh, Virtual. Um, I really didn't like this movie. Uh, <laughs> I, none of the plot points really hit. It was really bland, boring. Bare How did you hack my computer? How did you get my notes? God, what the fuck? Someone was just... Oh my god, is that Jim Henson's ghost shoving his hand up my ass to make me speak? Well, Peter, I just got to tell you that I think your opinion's wrong, and I don't uh, think Peter? you should see the doctor when you have a sore throat. Uh, Peter, that's Alex. He's trying. He's impersonating Jim Henson. Alex, I told oh, you don't sorry, pull that way. Get, get, your hand your ass my, get your hand oh. out of my butt. Uh, hold on. Oh. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. There, uh, just hold on. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Ah. <laughs> ah. That sounds so painful. <laughs> it's yes! such a visceral groan. Do it again. Yes. Anyway, Peter, your A plus grade. You know, I'll let the Chamberlain grade. I feel like. Yes, Peter is my friend. Oh, and Chamberlain. How did Poppy's brother get in this freaking stream? I don't understand what's going on here. Related to Poppy. Wait, Dobby? What are you doing here? No! No, I'm friend! I'm friend, not Dobby! Peter? I'm sorry if you... Peter, please grade the movie. <laughs> You're not really getting to the point. You gotta, you gotta go, dude. Yeah, I gave you your time. But... Uh, A plus. A plus. Zach, do you have a grade? A. Hey, oh. is that because you don't believe in A plus? It's because I don't believe in A plus. But why is it That's there? Right. Why is A plus there if it doesn't exist? It, it's not there though. It, is, it is there. You can like, get an A plus. Peter, the thing is, you here's what I've learned over three and a half years. Zach thinks this is his show. <laughs> Excuse you. Well, I mean, Alex, you're great. So, 
but but if we convert it, your A is actually an A plus because if you can't go all the way to A plus because A plus doesn't exist, your limit, your glass ceiling is A, which is actually an A plus. <laughs> okay, so you give it an A plus. Cool. Uh, what's your grade? Um, I'm gonna give it a A. Mm, I'm gonna give it an A minus. And the reason I say A minus is because I know that um, I know that it would have worked better without the voiceover. And I've seen some of the extra scenes, and I think they explain themselves well enough without it. Uh, I would have liked this if Jim Henson had gotten his original way, and I think they kind of um, ruined it a little bit. So I would probably say A minus. Okay. Um, I'm going to go quick because I think Peter's about to kill Zach. Um, and then I immediately freeze. Um, <laughs> Um, Chamberlain can cover while you think. No, 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 no. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good, Chamberlain. Yes! Please, if you moan one, if you if you whimper one more time, I swear that actually bothered but, me during the movie. I hated his whimper. <laughs> I, was like, mm-hmm. I was like, stop. That's so annoying. Um, you sound like Jar Jar, honestly. <laughs> oh, you saw Jar Jar books. also Sith Lord. Oh my god. He got like legit. Like Jar Jar got a depressing ending in the books. Anyway, um so I'm gonna go B. I think that's the most controversial, honestly. Like you guys like this was your childhood. This never this is what you like you guys grew up with this movie. I didn't. So I'm kind of like looking at this from the outside in. And like, yeah, like, I'm not at an A, but like, I, dude, that's totally fair. That's valid. Yeah. That's valid. You know what? B plus, B plus. I'm gonna go B plus. So, all right, there, you, there you go, everyone. Dark Crystal. See you guys. It was in fact not dark. Um, trust me, there- I know. Ooh. Really um, right. Wait, what? Is that a race thing? That to sneak that one in there. All right, guys. Wheel. 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 Bad wheel. Bad wheel. You're bad. Bad I, I'm just gonna say, Chris. Go, no, hit me. Just go for it. Don't actually, don't play the pronoun game. Just Alex, just say it. Just say Alex, it. Alex. Oh my god. Yes. I'm sorry. <laughs> this is Paul Blart Mall Cop. Paul Blart Mall Cop. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm sorry, Alex. All right. Holy crap! Paul Blart Mall Cop. <laughs> oh Jesus. That was not what I was expecting. <laughs> Alex doesn't like bad comedies because they're not interesting to talk about. No, that is not uh, true. Uh, you did not listen to Ready to Rumble. You did not listen to Ready to Rumble. 
I think boring bad comedies are bad to talk about. You have to be a really interesting bad comedy like Ready to Rumble or Nothing But Trouble to really blow, or or Jack and Jill to really blow it up. But like for every Jack and Jill, there's like uh, a bunch of other ones that Sandler has made that aren't funny and aren't even interesting to talk about. So I've never Mall Cop. I've never seen Paul Blart Mall Cop. I've never. I've never taken the effort to see it. I've never taken the effort to not see it. It's just been something I've avoided. And if you're going to make the wheel decide one day, I mean, twice, then, uh, you know, the universe makes me want, makes me to want to talk about it. But I will say this. There are two podcasts that exist where people watched one minute at a time this movie and the sequel. And those podcasts ran for a long ass time. I think one of them is still going. I think they're in the middle of the second now. That's weird. They they would run a minute of it and then review it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, the uh, buttercast has gone in the wrong direction. Oh my god! Right. So I'm I'm gonna suggest Paul Blart Mall Cop. That All is right. their reality for probably a year or two years. Yeah, I think it was a group of famous comedian brothers. I think it was the McElroy brothers. Jesus Christ! <laughs> minute. What can you review in a like? How long does each episode go if they're only reviewing a minute? Oh, no, the episodes are like an hour and a half long, but like they're about all about, but they're also comedians and they just shoot the shit and they're brothers. Like they're really funny. They're genuinely funny dudes. They have this thing called Monster Party where they'll go to video games, they'll go to the character design section, they will make the most ridiculous character and then they'll play the game as that character and then they'll just make a story up as that character. They're amazing. I know, uh, LRRs uh, re-brought back a series where they did something similar to that, which is the Agatha Fistie series. Agatha Fistie? Yeah, it's a character they made in Fallout 4 named Agatha Fistie. (laughs) Alex, it's your porn name. I was going to say, that is a porn name. That is a porn name. I was going to say, I watched that porn last night. What? Uh, <laughs> your eighty-year-old grandma, who whose whole th- shtick is that she one punches everyone. Like oh, one so punch it's one punch, one punch grandma. It's one yeah, punch but it's all in the vagina. One punch every grandma. time it's in the vagina. All right. Um. So Zach is Zach is given his offering. Um. Oh, Peter, you said you had one. I do. Do you want to know, or did you want to? Uh, I mean, that's thing. up to you, man. You know, I'll tell you. Uh, so the first one, which I'm not going to do was going to be Snowmageddon. And I asked my good, good pal to give me a bad movie and he's Jewish. Uh, and all he was giving me were Christmas movies. And I was like, you know what? I don't think I'm going to give them a Christmas movie because okay. <laughs> I just, I just wasn't feeling it. I mean, that's usually my sense of humor to like give you guys a Christmas movie, but I was like, I don't fucking want a Christmas movie anymore. I'm Christmased <laughs> out. I'm honestly Christmased <laughs> out. So I was going through my brain vault and I remembered a movie that I have never seen that I have wanted to that I own illegally. Oh boy. Metal Man 2008. It is an Iron Man ripoff movie. And a it mockbuster? Is called, it is called Metal Man. Let's Metal go. Space Man. Hold on. I Hold saw on. that I shit can't. when 2008 existed. And that was a reality for everyone on that on this planet. <gasps> it's real? 
Oh my and god. I, and I Ridiculous. was looking up Iron Man costumes and shit because I was just like so fascinated. And I see that and it looks so cool. But all of the budget, it seems like, to this movie went to that costume and Hold nothing on. else. <laughs> Peter, I have to ask. Yeah. Is this a sci-fi movie? Is there any where can I watch this online? I can potentially just give it to you guys. Like just share it with if you we guys. land on it, we'd have to watch it together because I'm not funding an online copy. Yeah, no, I'm pr- I'm pretty sure um I'm pretty sure I have it. I'll have to double check. And if I don't, then we'll just you know. Is this a made for TV movie? I have dude, I have no idea. I it's literally just, just it's a mockbuster. What do you think? Uh so it's 50-50 on that, truthfully. Holiday special. Precedent. If you want to play that game, Chris, the next series... Listen, dude, you played that game with me for two and a half years. No, you're darn right I'm playing that game with you. You understand me? Precedent. If you're going to call... You want to do it? Let's do it. Chris? You want to do Paul Blart Mall Cop? Or are you going to suggest another TV movie? No, no. When we get to the series, well, I'm playing Sharknado on. Okay. But that's not your decision. It's the wheels decision. That's true. But I will offer Sharknado every time. Okay. <laughs> You're not going to get that opportunity a lot because we don't spin the series wheel a lot. Okay. Fuck. <laughs> Come on, Alex. You can do it. Alex is not happy that that, that precedence has been set. <laughs> well, I mean, there are TV movies I'd like to do too, but the fact that you want to keep doing it until the end means that that's my new holiday special. It's petty. I get it. I got the vaccine because I'm petty against you guys. So good, man. We keep you if you if we got you healthy out of spite. Fuck yeah. Yeah, that's what it takes. <laughs> I'm all for it. What pieces of shit are we? We saved our friend through petty. We bullied you into getting help. <laughs> Fucking asshole. All right, Alex, do you have anything yet? If it is Metal Man, then we need to have a backup in case there is no way that we watch it. Uh, Yeah, mine is... uh, Have you ever seen the movie Real Steel? You want to recommend Real Steel? You thought that was a bad movie. I want to recommend the movie that Real Steel is ripping off. It's called Over the Top. It stars uh, Sylvester Stallone, and it's exact same story except instead of robot fighting, it's arm wrestling. Oh my god, I've seen it! Oh my god, oh my god, I totally forgot. I need to talk to you about canon movies. Wow, ninety-two oh percent of Google users approve of this movie. That's that's right. It is a canon movie. Okay, I Gollum himself, dude. So yeah. over the top. Put that shit on there. Oh, you guys. It's oh my god. Okay. Before I announce my, before I tell you what mine is, do we wanna like work on a backup in case Metal Man doesn't work out? I think we just spin the leftovers. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I I'm I'm confident. Then I have, I gotta keep track of that. Um okay, so Unlike Peter, I am going to put a Christmas movie on here. Yes. <laughs> Santa with muscles. <laughs> no, Santa with muscles. This is oh, different. That's what it's called? Different with one? Hulk Hogan. Oh, in a toupee. God. 
You have so many wrestlers, Santa what? movies. It's insane. Oh my god, dude! It's one of, apparently, according to IMDb, it's one of the worst films ever made. Oh. <laughs> yes, dude, throw that well, in there. I will be the fucking judge of that. Yes, you will be. We all. I will. just want something like. I don't want something like cheap, bad, like um, Love on a Leash or um, Jesus Christ Vampire Hunter. I feel like we've gotten a lot of those in the bad, on the uh, when we landed on a bad movie. So I want no, something like yeah. higher end, but right. still like insane. No, definitely. That yeah, no. I whenever I think of a bad movie, I always think of low budget. But there are plenty of blockbuster movies that have just right. been so fucking horrible. I want to come back That's to Ready to Rumble. So Took all the wrong turns, man. Like <laughs> to the point where it felt like it was on purpose. So yeah, that's a good call. So four offerings we have: Over the Top, Metal Man, Paul Blart, Mall Cop, and Santa with Muscles. That's actually the title of the movie. <laughs> Santa with Muscles. Yeah. Is it hyphenated? Nope. Okay, man. All right. All right, you guys ready? Yeah. Let me put my dick away here. Okay. Okay. And all right, we're good. And we can see it, right? My you dick. Just your pants on. My dick. You can see my dick. Yes, no. we can see your dick. Well, what Zach do you can think? see it. I can't. What do you I think? Don't that. <laughs> Not right. nice, Three, two, one, spin. Oh my God. Oh my God. Yes. Yes. Oh yes! my God. Yes. <laughs> Yes. Screw you guys. I finally get my way. Aw. Yes. I'm happy for you, man. You don't have to. I mean, if you want to screw me, I mean. <laughs> I'm so happy. I'm so freaking happy. You know who's not happy? Let me send it to you. This guy. This guy's not happy. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> Peter, no. Peter, do I have to send a pizza to the hut? No, because. Oh, you don't. That. I do that. I do a new one every time. Every single time I do a new one for the movie that we watched. All right. Gotcha. So, <laughs> let me uh, get ready here. To rumble? Yep. <laughs> to rumble. Shit. Are you ready to Shit. <laughs> That'll never like. <sighs> hold on. Let me. Okay. Hold on. All right, on the bad wheel as it stands right now, the last Airbender. Ugh. Last, hold on, I gotta write these as I go. Um, the Watcher. <laughs> the Wicker Man. The bees. Another oh, my eyes. The bees. Um, oh my God, yeah. It's not even in the movie. It's the Doom. D O O. Oh my god. Yeah, Doom. Doom. D O O M. Doom. Doom. Master of Disguise. Oh lord. North. Oh my god, you guys. Dragon Ball Evolution. Huh. Do they evolve or is it? <laughs> no, it devolves. Trust oh, me. Oh no. Um, Howard the Duck. But it doesn't give a fuck. Uh, by the way, for the record, I do have Metal Man. I oh, just checked. Okay. So, 
So I have three bad movies to add to the, the backlog. Um, hard Ticket to Hawaii. Razor Blade, Frisbee. It should be pretty easy since it's the U.S. And if you live in the U.S., you don't need, like, overseas or anything. You're just going... Yeah. It shouldn't be that hard. I can't imagine. I guess I have to see the movie. Gili. <sighs> um, I toys. wait for you to see Gili. It's turkey time. Uh, toys. Um, oh my god, there's so many gems on here. Yeah. Just another romantic wrestling comedy. Like that one. <laughs> oh, what? I can't wait for them to see that one thing that flies in the air in that one montage. Um, Alex, you know what I'm talking about. Um, I, I, you know what I'm talking about. Dungeons and Dragons. Zach, that one's for you. I've played that it maybe a couple times. And used, Chris. You're going to love it. <laughs> oh boy, Jeremy Irons in another bad movie. Um, Birdemic like Shock and Terror. Yes, Birdemic. Ah. Oh. Birdemic. That's a that's a me suggestion. Very very attractive lead actress. And finally, and finally. Teen Wolf. Yes. What? Uh, I I really liked that movie to be honest. What movie? Teen Wolf. That's right. Oh yeah, no. Teen Wolf is a good time. It's not mm. a good movie, but it's a good time. Right. 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 It's the next freak. Hold on. The, right the next freaked. It's the next Jesus Christ vampire hunter. We're the right. next it's Jesus oh, Christ. Man, there's vampire. a lot. <laughs> God oh, damn, man. that wheel is. <laughs> <laughs> so Hold on, let me make sure. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. Okay, we're is good. That, is that blank one count? <laughs> nope. so okay. Guys, <laughs> what do you think is gonna happen? Any last words? <laughs> I'm not gonna. No, now for the bad wheel. Hang on, let I'm me. I'm not take giving. My... It, I'm not giving it my, the pleasure. Let me. Take um. My... All right. Three, two, one, spin. God. Oh my god! 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 Peter, Peter, no, 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 no! Oh my god! I never. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Ladies and gentlemen. The next movie, oh dear God in heaven, the next movie we will be reviewing on the Meister Movie Podcast, Birdemic Shock and Terror. Oh my God, I knew it. <laughs> I fucking knew it. I was like, oh my God, this is I was, the second time in a row. I was hardcore thinking about this movie before the wheel was even spinning. Hey, this hey, Alex. Weird. I'm on a roll, dude. Zaga's on a freaking roll. I wanted so many other ones than this. Damn it. Ah, but this is great. <laughs> this is Chris. I can't wait for you to see this. This is a bowl. Another cheap bad movie. Another one. That's three it in is. a row. This is oh. not that's not good for you, I'll be honest. <laughs> it, Here's that, a good the tides thing. are changing. Here's a good the thing. The offering though. wheel is on my side. That's true. It's the telling are you that anyone can make a movie. It's telling you you can make a movie, dude. Yeah. There, I don't here's, want to make a movie like this, though. Here's a That's silver lining, Chris. Corridor Crew did an episode, did a whole video did. on this movie. No! Do not watch that before you watch the movie! Too late.
No, dude. Dude, are you kidding me? I watched it before I watched the movie, and it's. Do I don't not. think it's gonna no. take away. Oh no! Please don't. I. I. Alex, honestly... we already have. Why <laughs> do you keep saying no? Chris, so you do you remember what happens? Do you remember what it looks like? How could I forget? They did a whole breakdown on that thing. Damn, dude. Also, I've seen essays that have brought it up. I can't avoid it. It's not going to taint the movie. No. I I swear to God, Peter, I had never heard about this movie. I turned it on, and the moment the birds showed up, I literally pissed my pants. (laughs) (laughs) I showered my pants with piss, dude. Do you know how funny it was? I was like, holy, are you, these are the birds? These are the (laughs) Look, Birdemic obviously is now so popular that you can't avoid that. But the luckiest thing about Birdemic is that it it has a lot of things to enjoy about it, and it has a sequel. So, yeah, there's a lot to enjoy about Birdemic. But no, I will genuinely tell you, if you've never seen those birds, the the moment that they go from having sex to the next morning, the world is filled with killer birds that look like they are screensavers. It's one of the genuine best laughs of my life. <laughs> I get to talk about this movie next week. I'm so oh, man. Oh, God. Here we go again. I feel Here like we this go is again. the Will's way to pay back that we still haven't watched Last Airbender or Dragon Ball Evolution. It's <laughs> not our fault. We give it to a wheel. If yeah. they, what they want us to do it, they'll <laughs> put it on the free, they'll make, they'll, we'll spin the wheel and it'll land on it. It's not our fault. I know. The, no, Chris made it clear. This is a D D Y I thing. Three movies in a row that could easily that just they have low. Yeah, he's just not about the DIY aesthetic right now. Yeah. I want big, big budget insanity. Okay, well, how about this? I'll give you I'll give you a chance, Chris. We can start over, we can completely redo this entire episode, and then we can spin the wheel again. How about you like that? Yeah. Oh my god. Sorry, there's no. a storm. Oh no. No. I I I Are you feel sure like, about that? I feel like Are you sure time. about that? <laughs> Are you sure about that? Chris, I'm just like real I just think it's so funny that like last like three bad movies have been made on a budget of more than that. like more than that. But the last like six bad movie we, bad movies we've done have been you. I know. It loves me. It favors me. They haven't all been low budget though. The last two have. Yeah. I think hey man, I'm t- I'm like, just saying we can start over. I'm just saying. I, I think the last two's cumulative budget is There's st- also precedent for me just like hitting stop and saying, no, we're gonna freaking respin because it was for Apocalypse Now. I was like, I was not in the right headspace for that movie That's at the t- when we first spun and got it. I was so like, guys, you're I can't admitting do this. you're admitting that you cheated though. It wasn't cheating. It was not the right movie. Alex, I'm trying to gaslight him, <laughs> dude. You, if you tell him it's cheating, if you tell him it's cheating, he's not going to spin it again. What do I say? I'm not spinning it again. We're doing Birdemic. Alex, you ruined it. It's a good time, man. I had him. I had him doing what? I don't know, man. Let me figure it Restarting? out. Restarting? 
terrible manipulating. Terrible manipulating. Am I though? Yes. People or, try to make like sequels of this. this remember is that time you tried to manipulate yourself? And yep, you just... it's on Tubi. It's on Amazon Prime. It's rentable on YouTube. Alex, I never remember that because I manipulated myself that good. Tonight. Birdemic, yeah. Birdemic is easily fine. Yeah, you can totally see that on Tubi. That and the sequel for sure. But watch it on Amazon because you won't get commercials. But okay. Tubi, Tubi has excellent fucking movies, guys. Tubi. Spend some time on Tubi. It's great. It is on Tubi though, right? Just commercials on there. Yep. Hold on. Fucking oh, kill me. I got a uh, speaking of Tubi. Hold on. Um. So that's uh that's it, everybody. Um. And um, we did Dark Crystal as dictated by the Curiosity Wheel. Now we got to do Birdemic Shock and freaking Terror. And then we're doing the Good Wheel after this, right? Good move. Good. <laughs> good movie wheel next week. And then do we want female go- directed movies only? Okay. And oh, this is going to be fun. You can only suggest a movie directed by a woman. I, I guess, gentlemen, I, I want to make a, I, I want to, I want a proposition for y'all. We are not compromising. This is not something we are going to compromise. No, 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 no. We're gonna do the good movie we'll next week, no matter what. Um, my my suggestion is, do we want to hop into another series after that? How many times have we gone through the cycle? I think this will be the second time. We're on the second time. Yes. So once we hit the good wheel, if we spin the curiosity again, that'll be three. Yeah. I want to go one more time. Yeah. Now we do series. I'm not ready. That that was a long ass series. Yeah. yeah. That, that was, was two was and a half months. That was, I mean, besides Spider-Man, like that was the shit. I was like, that was the shit that I was in with you guys. Like that was the start of me being on here besides Spider-Man. Yeah, I need a fucking yeah. Yeah, yeah. I know. There's a lot of like, stuff on that wheel, man. There's a lot. Of, those wheels have a lot of good stuff on them. Yeah. So let's not, let's not so, waste it. So so all right. So so just for confirmation here, so we're gonna do the good moving wheel next week. Then we're gonna yep. do curiosity bad, and then we're gonna start a series. No. Then we're going good to movie, good, good movie next week. Yep. Curiosity bad good. Then maybe a series. Gotcha. Okay. So five weeks from now. Five weeks. Five weeks from now. So I can't count that. Start thinking of uh, maybe start thinking of uh, replacements now. Attack on Titan. No. Um. Movies. Also, Alex Surfer is still not on Tubi. Fuck. (laughs) It's okay, man. It's actually not okay, but like it's going to be okay. Maybe I don't know. Actually, never mind. Problem. I don't care if climate change. I don't care if if racism has to be put on hold. Whoa, 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 no, 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 Alex. Did I say something? Yeah, I, no, yeah, you didn't. You don't. Did. No updates from the website either. So. You went too far, I man. I went too far. You went okay. too far. Okay. Just right. take back. Just take back the racism part. I think everything else is good. I can't. No, Guys, we're I doing want bird them to fix this before institutionalized racism. Because, Whoa. No, I, I think this is more no, important. Oh, God. This is more God, important. Oh, God, please, no. No. I think Michael is right on this one, Alex. Michael, Michael Scott, the, the Dunder Mifflin manager? 
Yeah, he doesn't well, agree. Well, X manager. Um, he hasn't gone that far. You never know, man. I just gotta say, so, man, I'm not a fan of that not being the most. I think it's news. I'm just saying. What? Uh, what? what? <laughs> what's the problem, eh? Fix it. Alex, when's the last time you checked that uh, Facebook page? Oh God, what? Oh, I have not checked it in a while, and I'm pretty sure nobody's been like, "Yeah, this guy's okay. right." Um. All right. So, so there you go, everybody. He has not read it. That's the point. Yeah. I made the strongest possible argument you could ever make. Um. So next week, Birdemic Shock and Terror. Hmm. I want to do something new here. All you listeners out there, I'm just gonna go ahead and say it. Because I actually want to start hearing from you. Twitter.com at the Rose Maestro. Woo! Do we have a Twitter now? I have a Twitter. I've always had a Twitter. Now I'm plugging it. Chris, I'm going to Twitter yes. you. We're going to Twitter you. I'm going to Twitter you, Chris. We're going to send I don't Twitter post anything. For- like, I've been on like a social media fast because like there's a lot of negativity out there right now and I, I have no room for it right now. Always so, will. So, like, but like, genuinely, like feedback, whatever. If you want to tell me I suck, whatever. But um, yeah. We um, have your way. Yeah, right. I'll, I'll we'll send some peeps over to you, man. So we'll um. So yeah, bird demic shock and terror. I guess we're doing that. So good night, everybody. Guys, say goodbye. Good morning. I know uh, you can Skype tonight, but that's all right. <laughs> Good night, girl. I'll see you tomorrow. So, as an outro, everybody, I am just going to um, let me just bring it back here. Here is Pedro Pascal stumbling through a uh, dialogue from Community. A nano in front of Britta. Oh, that's nice. I also leave you this little. <laughs> I also leave you. <laughs> I also leave you this liquid nitrogen cooled cylinder. This liquid nitrogen cooled cylinder of my hypoviral sperm, in case you're listening. <laughs> Good night, everyone.